When uh, the JCPenney brand of clothing was Gitano. So my mom always bought me the Gitano jeans. I could never have Levi's or Wranglers or anything cool like that. I wonder what dad, what do you think the price differential was between I'd probably like three dollars. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my dad said to me once, he's like, Gitano, huh? You know what that means in Italian? Giant size. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so my dad and my brothers set me up good for this job. Yes, yeah, you were getting your chops busted <laughs> at a, in an early age. Yes, and I, I just think I just told this not too long ago on the show. My brother <laughs> used to say to me, "You must be one of the Lee sisters. Are you UG or home?" <laughs> <laughs> and he was like fifteen years older than you. <laughs> uh, seven. <laughs> oh, you're like, aren't you in law school? <laughs> Shouldn't you start doing this kind of stuff now? Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's three minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center. Center 11. It's 66 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Cases of COVID-19 have risen by nearly 85% across Pennsylvania, with 3,737 new cases reported. That compares with 2022 the previous week. In Beaver County, cases jumped 9.7% to 34 cases, no deaths. Allegheny County reported 318 cases and one death over the last week, compared to 208 cases and one death the week before. And the Pittsburgh economy continues a slow but steady recovery, according to the latest stats that show some 9,300 jobs were added last month, most of those in the leisure and hospitality industry. The jobs report shows this year there are 61,000 more jobs in a seven-county area that includes Allegheny, Armstrong, Beaver, Butler, Fayette, Washington, and Westmoreland counties than in June of last year during the pandemic. And if you think you've got what it takes to be a first responder, officials in Greene County say they are struggling to hire enough emergency medical technicians for the county. Greene County Legislative Chairman Patrick Linger says they are facing the same labor shortages that other industries are seeing. EMTs typically make about 14 bucks an hour, which is not competitive with other jobs that pay $15 an hour or more. He says he may need to ask the state to help with funding to pay better wages. Simone Biles is prioritizing her mental health over the Summer Olympics. The world's number one women's gymnast announced she will not defend her gold medal in the individual all-around on Thursday. She'd been the overwhelming favorite to repeat as champion. The American superstar had previously withdrawn from Tuesday's team gymnastics final due to mental health reasons, later putting uh, the media on notice that she wasn't really sure about competing tomorrow. Following the announcement today, USA Gymnastics issued a statement saying, Quote, we wholeheartedly support Simone's decision and applaud her bravery in prioritizing her well-being. Her courage shows yet again why she is a role model for so many, end quote. We talked about it yesterday, like, you know, the difference between what Simone Biles is facing versus what uh, Mary Lou Retton faced. Why, why, why is the mental health of these athletes now becoming an issue, whereas before, you know, they they had pressure on them, and we knew that that was part of of their plight toward greatness, overcoming mm-hmm. all of the pressure. And why is suddenly the pressure getting to the greatest all time gymnast? Why did it get to Naomi Osaki? And she cited Naomi Osaki as an inspiration for feeling okay about stepping down. 
And, you know, you pointed out social media completely changed the game yesterday. The eyes are always on you. No question. Definitely. And, and it's not even that you just know the eyes are on you. You're literally hearing from the peanut gallery. I mean, mm-hmm. you're getting chirped at all the time. If you're Mother Teresa, you're getting chirped at. And in addition to that, I don't think you can underscore enough how the year of COVID and how different their training is now mm-hmm. and what it's like going to these Olympics with no spectators, with constant protocols being enforced, and th- that feeling on top of all of the other added pressures must be just what's tip- the tipping point here. Well, an- another thing, too, is that it's becoming more acceptable to admit your issues. Yes. Yeah. Like back when Mary Lou Retton, you know, we cite her as an example. It maybe you just didn't feel okay saying, "Hey, this is a lot of pressure and I'm I'm not sure I can handle it." Yeah, you ever see like an athlete go out there and just stink all of a sudden when they're really good? Maybe that's the pressure yeah. getting to them and it manifests in that way and now we've created a space where People can say that they're not well and they want to take a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we can't, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, the other thing about the social media aspect is not only are they hearing from the peanut gallery, but they're steeped in it. All these young kids are raised in it. Yeah. So they see it happening to everybody else. And then when the sites feel like they're turned on them, it's probably uh, a lot crazier it's no like doubt. a tidal wave no doubt former hope high profile democratic party donor ed buck has been convicted of nine federal charges convic- uh, connected with a pair of overdose deaths in his home in west hollywood buck distributed deadly doses of methamphetamine to two men one in 2016 the other in 2019 prosecutors say the 66 year old often paid black homeless men to come to his apartment use drugs and perform sex acts they also say he had a fetish of injecting others with methamphetamine. Jeez. Buck faces Whoa. 40 years to life in federal prison. Yeesh. Bad guy. Special kind of creep. Yeah. Air pollution from household products may be killing a lot more people than previously thought. Researchers at the University of Colorado Boulder say common household chemicals and everything from paints to cleaning solvents may be contributing to 10 times the number of deaths than previously believed. Uh, Their study found that tiny particles from everyday household items enter the air and are breathed into the lungs in a process that could be responsible for up to 900,000 premature deaths every year. Whoa. So you're better off to live in a dirty house. I I guess so. Or just outside in the dirt. <laughs> just don't clean. Like for me, I, I always I was raised to clean with bleach and pine saw and whatever it is. I'm napalm in it. Yeah. And that stuff is not good it's, yeah, to breathe in. No, it's definitely noxious. You know, there's there's safer, I think, cleaning products. There's like there's. There's the solution Malaluka or something where it's I don't know I don't I don't know what it Troy is. Malaluka yes is for, I think formaldehyde <laughs> is in carpeting isn't it um that's extra <laughs> as a protective yeah. 
A California teenager is recovering after she fought an attacking crocodile in Mexico. Reports say 18-year-old Kiana Hummel was on a trip in Puerto Vallarta when she decided to go for a swim with her friend. That's when a croc apparently emerged out of the darkness and dragged her into the water. The teenager says she punched the animal until it let her go before it came back and attacked her again. A group of bystanders helped fight it off. Hummel is now expected to undergo surgery due to severe muscle and tissue damage in her legs. Officials with the Marriott Resort say appropriate signage was posted nearby. So apparently they have an issue with crocs there. You see there was, and I I think it was like, North or South Carolina, it was there was a crocodile or well an alligator, I guess, just mm. swimming out in the ocean, just hanging out. Where? I swear it was like North or South Carolina. Hmm. That's terrifying. Um, yeah, because everybody, I, I think it was maybe on Good Morning America weekend or something, and they were was like, it on I don't vacation think, or do they? They're live supposed there? to swim in the ocean. <laughs> right, they're adapting. I, pr- I'm sure, just like everything else, it'll be fine. A report out of London has actor and Hollywood vampires guitarist Johnny Depp helping out Jeff Beck on his next album. The two performed together in 2019 at Eric Clapton's Crossroads Guitar Festival during a version of John Lennon's Isolation. They also did a studio version of the song, which they released during the pandemic. Metallica is helping out nine community college trade programs. The band's All Within My Hands Foundation teamed up with the American Association of Community Colleges for the Metallica Scholars Initiative. So now the nine schools will receive a $100,000 grant. James Hetfield said while they tour, tradespeople are essential in their performances. Hetfield said on behalf of the band, they are grateful for trade professionals. The co-founder of the Grammy award-winning metal band Slipknot is dead. Rolling Stone reports Joey Jordison died peacefully in his sleep at the age of 46. His family didn't provide a cause of death. He was the drummer for the band from the time it formed in 1995 until 2013 when he left for personal reasons. In 2016, he told fans he had gotten sick with a neurological disease. Funeral services will be private. And finally, a trial date for Cuba Gooding Jr.'s sex abuse case is set. It will happen October 18th in New York City. The charges stem from an alleged encounter in uh, 2013 with a woman at a Times Square hotel rooftop bar. He's already facing misdemeanor sexual abuse charges in another case. Sunny, warm again today. Upper 80s, chance of a shower or thunderstorm. It's 66 at DVE. All right, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle on the show, uh, 645. And also Rob Rossi talking about the flurry trade. Could he end up leapfrogging from Vegas to Chicago to Pittsburgh once again? The DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman. When comedian Tony Roberts stopped by the studio, he wasn't just telling jokes. He was singing songs. We've been in the studio. We got six new songs coming out. Everybody, you for need real? Your ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> I say I open up with "Need Your Ass Beat." Yeah. You have a song called "You Need Your Ass Beat." You need your ass beat. <laughs> if you're a pimp What's with a roommate, about? you need your ass beat. <laughs> if you're in a wheelchair and your shoes dirty. You need your ass beat. <laughs> if you're a thug and you ticklish, <laughs> you need your ass You can't be a ticklish thug. No. We got a bad breath song called Booty Mouth. <laughs> if you, you ever get somebody with a bad breath piece of gum and they put the gum in their pocket, you're going to know. Hell no. Right now. Booty Mouth. And they got a reggae beat. Boom. 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 
You need an Altoy IV, a Listerine shake, a Febreze mouthpiece, or a right guard cake. Put a nose on your throat, put a jacket on your tongue, put your teeth in the cleaners. You got booty mouth, son. Improv, Tony Robbins, Lance Wood. I love y'all. Pittsburgh, I'm back. I'm back. You got booty mouth. Your breath is burning my eyes. It's hard for me to blink. When you sing happy birthday, girl, your happy stink. DVE Sports. All right, here's Mike Pursuta with your sports now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports is out brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. It is Christmas Day for the Steelers. The training pads are going to come on at training camp. And uh, the physicality will begin, and we will begin to see if all the uh, commitment to aggression and the running game and blocking and all that stuff has really started to sink in. Apparently it has, at least it has, if Eric Ebron is to be believed. Uh, The Steelers' tight end said yesterday that uh, even he's committed to doing his part in the blocking game. Yeah, I changed my attitude about it, you know. Um, I don't always have to be as dominant on third down or in the red zone. I need to be a, a full-on tight end. And um, I took I took into account of learning a lot from Mercedes Lewis this offseason because he's a badass at it. Hmm. And uh, that's what I'm going to try to do. He's going to try to block, guys. Hmm. Whoa. Good. We need him to. Tight end Pat Fryermuth is another guy who's going to be expected to do his part, not just catching the football, but blocking as well. And uh, while the second-round rookie from Penn State has been catching everything in sight, general manager Kevin Colbert said yesterday that head coach Mike Tomlin has been consistently reminding Fryermuth that catching is only half the battle. I don't know if you heard, Coach. Every time he makes a big catch, Coach says, that's good, can you block? So no, and and Mike does that on. It's it's really kind of funny the way he does it. Um, yeah, but Pat has flashed some really good catching ability. And again, uh, until we get out there and practice in pads, it's it's you don't get too excited. I never get excited in camp. Uh, I always talk about when the offense looks good, maybe your defense just isn't any good, and vice versa. <laughs> so until we get into preseason games, uh, I try not to get too excited, albeit acknowledging some some special plays that maybe um, the young folks are making that we didn't anticipate. Some of those Fryermuth catches that we've seen already would uh, fall into that category, guys. But, uh, Randy, we were talking yesterday about how the early part of camp was uh, dominated by the, uh, yeah, but, you know, this guy did this, yeah, but they're not in pads yet. Well, Kevin's taking it further and saying, well, yeah, but you have to wait till they're actually playing another team because maybe your defense sucks if your offense is doing okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like the uh, the old lady from uh, Aqualippa, PA, Mike, you know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, said the Zen master. Yeah. Well, we are going to see today. Uh, it's going to be a great day down at Heinz Field. Uh, fans are going to be in attendance. Shoulder pads are going to be on. And... Uh, Mike Tomlin said that he expects his his players to respond accordingly. They're going to have to if they follow the traditional first day in pads practice plan. They are, man. They're competitors, man. You, you feel the energy out here, man. These guys have been playing football all their lives, man, and it's a very normal thing for them. They're excited about it. They've trained for a long time to put themselves in this position. So it's like the first day of school, you know. 
there is that level of excitement. Fans are, need to get back in the swing of things, too. It's been a while since we've been able to go to training camp and, and watch the Steelers practice. So, you know, don't get too excited about the fans out there today because it's, it's early and, you know, until the Yeah, we're not going to know if the, the fans are on their game until yeah. Cleveland or Baltimore come to town. <laughs> yeah. It's really not – it's just – they're just cheering for the Steelers. They're not booing anybody or heckling or swearing at the other team. So, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point by you, Bill. Pirates got nipped by the Brewers nine to nothing last night at PNC Park. Interesting night. Uh, the Buccos uh, were supposed to trade Tyler Anderson last night's scheduled starter to Philadelphia. Uh, that trade ends up falling through, uh, according to Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic. Uh, there was a medical issue with one of the prospects the Pirates were to receive in return. They have eventually traded Anderson to the Mariners for a double-A catcher and uh, a pitcher who is uh, currently performing in the Dominican Summer League, that at least according to the Mariners' website. Uh, Luis Aviedo uh, got the spot start last night, and he lasted one inning, gave up five hits, eight runs, six of them earned, three walks, and two strikeouts. According to Greg Brown on the television broadcast last night, it's the first time since 1900 that a pitcher lasted one inning and gave up eight runs in his major league debut as a starter. Really? You would have thought that would have happened a few times. I don't know. Eight runs in one inning is a lot. Well, you know, it's kind of one of those you got to be pretty good to lose 20 games things. You know what I mean? The manager must have saw something. Like, I think he's going to come around. I mean, he was actually out there in the second. He gave up five runs in the second inning without recording an out. So that was probably the... uh, you know, the goofy part of it or the uncharacteristic part of it. But uh, such uh, is life for the Pirates who were uh, trying to trade anything they can to get as many prospects as they possibly can. They also recalled Cody Ponce and uh, Rodolfo Castro. Uh, Ponce from AAA Indy, he ended up in the game last night. And uh, Castro from AA Altoona, he also uh, played last night, uh, getting the start at second base for Adam Frazier. Bucks and Brewers again tonight. Adrian Hauser for Milwaukee, and the Pirates haven't announced a starter yet. Uh, Bucks did sign their 14th-round draft pick, outfielder Braylon Bishop, a high school player from Arkansas, and uh, hockey continues to generate buzz as well. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights trade Mark andre Fleury to Chicago. The Vezina Trophy winner uh, goes to the Blackhawks, and they send prospect Mikhail Hakarainen. Back to Vegas. Uh, he has never played in the National Hockey League. He's a former fifth-round pick in 2018. Flurry is 36 years of age. He's got a $7 million price tag. According to Matt Benzel of the Post-Gazette, the Penguins are not interested in acquiring Flurry services. And uh, as Venzel points out in his story today, Chicago gave up nothing for Marc-Andre Flurry. Vegas, uh, the owner, said it's a complete salary dump. If mm. he was available... For nothing, why wouldn't the Penguins have just gotten him from Vegas if they wanted him at all? Because they couldn't retain his full contract. Maybe they can trade with uh, Chicago, dump a player, and have them keep some of the salary, retain some of it? Possibly. Uh, Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman commenting on the trade said, quote, the opportunity to acquire a Vezina winning goaltender is rare and one you cannot pass up. Yeah, 
Uh, only problem is he doesn't want to play there. Yeah. Flurry's agent, uh, Al Walsh, uh, tweeting that, uh, quote, Mark will be taking time to discuss his situation with his family and seriously evaluate his hockey future at this time. We'll kick it around with Rob Rossi next hour. Uh, the uh, unlikelihood of him coming here, what happened there, and what what happens next for not just Mark andre Fleury, but the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike Pursuta. It's interesting to me. I mean, uh, I get that Flurry wanted to finish in, in Vegas, and he had, he had really sprouted some roots there, and he was the face of that franchise. But, uh, you know, Blackhawks pretty good team traditionally and uh, not all that long ago. It's a fun place to play. If he's interested in continuing his career, I'm, I'm surprised he wouldn't want to go there. I'm just surprised that he found out about it on Twitter. That seems to be a pretty crappy way to send off a guy who was the centerpiece of your expansion franchise no doubt. at its inception, and a guy who has really sort of won the uh, the hockey hearts of that town and helped make it a hockey town. You know, his personality yeah. bled over quite a bit out there. Yeah, the Vegas GM said that um, they had been in discussions and, and Flurry knew a trade was, possibil- was a possibility. He knew that they were talking to Chicago, but he said stuff – hit the fan on Twitter before the trade was even official. And that's why Flurry found out that way yeah. for what it's worth. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. They, they haven't exactly treated him like the icon he became there. That that's my only point. I'm, I'm yeah. gathering from you, Mike, and you please tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you're annoyed once again with the love for Mark Andre Flurry and the, <laughs> from penguin fans who think that his coming here is going to be the savior. We've been waiting for to bring us yet another cup. I wouldn't say annoyed. I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out how they work $7 million into the salary cap. To Bill's point, if they can get somebody to retain salary, great. But everybody's up against the cap. It's yeah. flat. Uh, not a lot of that going on. And he is 36. It It is possible that the current management thinks Tristan Jari is going to be the long-term answer. And uh, they're willing to give him a hiccup in that Islander series. I, I don't think any Penguins fans are because it's too easy to scapegoat Jari. But he would absolutely, I mean, at 36, he'd be a short-term answer, but he'd absolutely be an upgrade. I mean, the guy won the Vezina Trophy yeah. last year. He's, I, he's uh, really good. He was really good in the playoffs. Yes, which made some of their decisions kind of puzzling out there. But I, uh, I'm of the mindset, bringing Flurry back here has more downsides than upsides in terms of our love for Flurry. I'm in the don't cry because he's gone, smile because it happened camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would roll that way too. I'm not sold that Jari can't be the guy. Um, I mean, I, I, I think there's a possibility he could be the guy, but boy, are the odds weighing against him. It, it, and isn't it true too that you know the 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 story that everybody wants is for him to return home and win one last cup, one last dance with Crosby That's easy. and Malkin and the and the core reunited. But if that doesn't happen, it's another skid mark for him here. You don't want him to be skid mark, Andre Fleury. No. <laughs> skid mark, Andre Fleury. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. It's another mic drop for Crawford. He's having those it, whole week. It might be easier or better for us to just want that and not get it than to get it and it not be what we wanted. Agreed. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday on the DV. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's Wednesday. It's time for 
Mr. Wednesday. Yeah, summertime. Upbeat. Upbeat. Spring in your step. See, that feels like a really nice intro to me. Sunny uh, skies yeah, out right. there. It's The Cheery. sun's popping up. In the dead of winter, when we play that, you shake, yeah. you know, that really depressing the one. Ominous the one. dirge. Boy, yeah. I feel like it really just puts a specter over your appearance on the show when that happens. Well, it's that's, almost it's unfair like, to you. Well, it's like uh, how Jay Leno used to require that he would follow Richard Pryor. You, you don't know how funny you are until you're in the hole a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? So you got to start <laughs> off with the, the, sad, the there, sadness a little bit. There you go. How you doing? How you, how you hanging in there? Good, good. We just a small update. So I took the the boys to the the WWE uh, thing. How, uh, yeah. They must have freaked. <laughs> so it worked out perfectly. I like I took them down. We got to the. They didn't know where they were going. Uh, and we took them down to one, uh, like a parking lot. I did the big reveal. I got it on tape, and it's like the cutest thing. It's probably my favorite. I'll, oh. I'll show it to you in the break or whatever. But it's like the cutest thing ever. And we had That's a awesome. phenomenal, phenomenal time. That's the best. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Like, this had to be a benchmark of epic proportions for your dad career. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think of it that way because, like, I mean, I wanted to do it. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, a selfish component to it. Yeah, you guys got to tag along to it, but, I mean, like, yeah, it, it definitely, it was it was a nice, that's a, that's a nice milestone there. You got to cherish these moments because very um, rarely does the expectation rise to the moment totally. and meet it you know as a totally. parent especially like you think oh i'm doing all this i'm going overboard for my kids they're gonna love it they don't you're in the hole well there was such like a you know i started thinking that's the exact same thing i was like okay jeff like you've been talking this up a lot like this is going to be the best thing in the world like what if they're not that like what if on the off chance they're not that into it like i would have probably flipped out and been totally, re- totally resentful but they got in there and I mean, they uh, they do a great job with like the production, and everything like that. But it is intense. I mean, it's like almost like concert level environment, mm-hmm. and there's lights going on and video packages playing and like super loud music. And the first like probably forty minutes, they were just totally slack jawed, like they had no clear like <laughs> mouth agape, like I can't even believe this. And then they started getting into it a little bit more, so that it was uh, they kind of kicked in and were cheering and stuff like that. Had but, to be sensory overload. Well, yeah, that's the other thing yeah. is that like I I went and bought headphones because I was like it's probably going to be pretty loud like yeah. maybe there'd be some pyrotechnics and stuff like that and I'm bringing a three year old in yeah but uh, I accidentally <laughs> great bought, job like, by you by the way yeah 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 because <laughs> parents don't think about that a lot of times like it's just it doesn't seem to me to be talked about very often I I've said on the show many times how annoying it is to go down to like the Three Rivers Arts Festival and see somebody with their baby in front of the speakers it's right. like the, yeah. man. I went to a Tool concert one time, and there was literally like a, a maybe six-week-old there. And I was like, <laughs> I don't – I mean, I don't blame parents. I mean, parents, you kind of got to get out as much as you can. Yes. But, but toting your baby along to a Tool concert, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't down with that. But uh, <laughs> I realized as I'm pulling the, the headphones out, the package said like – it said like kids, toddlers. And I think I just assumed like, well, it's this one size fits all. We'll just adjust right. it. They were just for like toddler – kids and my kids both have cantaloupe heads they're, they're gigantic <laughs> so not a thing fit so instead of doing the responsible dad parenting which was like taking the extra five minutes to go find like the little foamy ones i'm sure they would have had them at ppg paints i was like come on roman reigns is about to come on let's get in there let's go <laughs> ear damage be damned
Oh yeah, and you would have got banged for like eighty dollars a pair, yeah. and it would have had like you know Roman Reigns' picture on the side right. of it or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, so then this was the other thing is that like so that weekend I had gone up to Penn State on Thursday and Friday for an annual golf trip. So I came back from you guys that blue course, or where do you play? Top, we we top played trees? top trees, yeah. and then and then we came back. So I already had my wife put in two nights of single parenting. Then I came back, took the kids. I was the big hero. Took them to to Saturday night wrestling. So I was like, I'm down on my, I call them fun credits, which is basically like in any, I've talked about the resentment meter before, and the resentment Mm -hmm. meter is fueled by an imbalance in fun credits. So immediately I was like, you get to go to Target for four and a half hours on Sunday, do whatever you want. (laughs) And I know that's not a full repayment. That's at least just paying the interest off of the, uh, bringing the fun fun credits back into balance. (laughs) I still think you need to write a book about this. I, yeah. yeah, me too. You really need to write. Uh, I started putting some thoughts to paper, and it's. I just don't think. Have you ever? Tra- I feel like you would have. Tra- have you ever tried to like write an actual like long form story or yeah. novel? How's yeah. it go for you? It's it's tough. It's horrific yeah. for me. And yeah. me. Like like three paragraphs in, you're like, you're an idiot. Like, what do you think you're doing? Like, what are no, you going to be? No, just do it. You have to do it. I'm telling you, the the thought they resonate with everybody. And you've got a good perspective on it. You know how to make it funny. Dude, people buy Bill Cosby's fatherhood you know, book back in the day. Yeah. Like, like, Probably not so much anymore. Yeah, <laughs> certainly less problematic than him. Yeah, exactly. I guess we'll see in 20 years. Who knows? Maybe I've done something horrific. I don't know. <laughs> or what you've done will now be determined right. to be. Like, he wore a hat indoors. He took his sons <laughs> to a wrestling match with no <laughs> earphones. Cancel. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Conkle. Well, good for you for doing the uh, get, getting the uh, fun points uh, up there. Even Does out. that make sense to anybody? Like the, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the, the of it's like oh, an yeah. Account, it's like an inherent accounting system. And I said, like, that's you have debits and credits, and like they have different exchange rates. Everybody has different sensitivities to them. No yeah. question about you it. You can't spend more than you earn. You can't spend more than you earn because that again is what fuels resentment. Basic and, accounting. And I said resentment is Equity. like yeah, exactly. It's a it's a fair and equitable exchange of, of everything. And so now I feel like my <laughs> all my friends are familiar with this language now and i think my one friend's girlfriend is now like a sleeper agent because he (laughs) wants to do also he's they don't have any kids so he's always wanting to do stuff with his friends and all my married friends are just like "Ah, i can't we can't go out this because we gotta you know keep the fun points on the on the equal (laughs) on the equal level so now his girlfriend is pitching stuff to all the late the married ladies trying to get them out of the house just to build that deficit up that we can spend a little bit oh it's nice oh Oh. This is I'm oh, telling it's working you. for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, making yeah, for yeah, sure. You're making changes within your entire peer group right now. I this mean, is, this is game changing. You've stuff put right language now. to it and given everybody an understanding of the metrics here. This is why you need to write the book. Yeah, that's what I said. So, uh, I don't even want to jinx it, but so far we have uh, a 100 uh, percent relationship uh, maintenance. Uh, Success. Success. You yeah. can save marriages, Jeff. Maybe. Get on it. Who but knows? that's because uh, it, it's almost always guys who don't realize it, though. It, it Like, they don't realize how much they are indebted. Yes. yes. In those fun points. They they think one thing equals four on the other side. Well, there, at least that's how I always, the, the, like, I had to check myself, you I know? think guys sort of just inherently think, like, well, let's see if I can get away with this. Yeah. And then when they do, or they think that they do... Is when they keep repeating the bad behavior and where the onus falls on the women is that women expect men to figure out what they're feeling instead of sometimes just saying like, don't do that, a-hole. Like, I'm not (laughs) feeling good about that. 
They yeah. they think that they you should interpret that and you should know what's going on. So women have some and some communication responsibility. The there women too. are the bank. They don't forget. Right. Right. Like any, any and any let me credit, tell you something. They're not forgetting. Yeah. And fun points. If you're if you're in the hole, if you're indebted in fun points, uh, those accrue interest. Yes. So if yes. you went on a fishing <laughs> trip with your buddies six years ago and never paid that back, mm-mm. Yeah. You're just paying off the interest. Yeah. That's a that's a week in wine country for your wife for right. one day yeah. six also, years ago. You also have to bank points together. You yes. can't be like, okay, you go do your thing. Okay, now you can do, go do your that thing. Is, you got to do things together. Yes, That true. is true. And then the other thing, though, is if you have kids, this is a mistake that I've made a lot of times, is that I think quality time always involves the kids. <laughs> And so that yes. that is not you the case whatsoever. Nights. You need some solid, you know, trips Alone to IKEA time. for your with the two of you guys, so you can look at end tables. My problem is <laughs> even if you don't need it, even if I you don't need it, I score the together time as I'm doing. I, I'm I'm putting in my service when really it should be this is benefiting right. the both of us. Yes. I'm like this is me doing my part. Right. When it's just uh, the, yeah, this is for you. Yeah. Well, the other, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing is that you have to make sure that it's actually an event that you want to go to. Dragging her to a penguins, uh, a preseason penguins game, and then meeting your your drunk buddies at a bar just because she's there that doesn't count. No. Like, and that, yeah. group time is not alone time. Group time is no, because I don't know about you guys, but at this point in my life, basically we will get to an event. And it's like an eighth grade dance. All the boys and girls will completely separate. (laughs) There'll sort of be some mingling in the middle during the slow dance and then re-separate and then go go home. (laughs) That was basically it. Jeff Conkle, marriage uh, counselor, soon to be author, and Mr. Wednesday Mm -hmm. here on. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you're annoyed once again with the love for Mark Andre Fleury and uh, from Penguin fans who think that his coming here is going to be the savior we've been waiting for to bring us yet another cup. I, I wouldn't say annoyed. I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out how they work seven million into the salary cap. To Bill's point, if they can get somebody to retain salary, it, it, and isn't it true too that you know the, the the story that everybody wants is for him to return home. And win one last cup, one last dance with Crosby That's easy. and Malkin and the and the core reunited. But if that doesn't happen, it's another skid mark for him here. You don't want him to be skid mark, Andre. Fleury. No, <laughs> skid mark. Andy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Uh, uh, what is a uh, skid mark? Uh, <laughs> Had another accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, look, I, I, I love the idea of Mark Andre Fleury coming back because it's uh, late July and there's not a lot to talk about. So, <laughs> for <laughs> reasons of pure content, uh, I would love to have that happen. But I think uh, I'm going back to the I would rather cry or not cry because it, uh, he's gone, but smile because it happened instead of having him come back. And then ruining the legacy. Yeah. I'd rather still love him. Right. And then, uh, it's true. Enjoy the memories. Yeah, because what are the chances he's going to be better next year than he was as the Vesna winner? You know, like, right. Pro- probably hit his if he apex. Is, though, that's that's now, what everybody wants. You magnify it. That, yeah. That's a multiplier right there. He he gets a statue somewhere in the city if that happens. But Jari, right now, I I don't know. I know Mike, you were saying that you thought that 
the organization might be looking at him as the long-term solution and be able to overcome what happened this past postseason. It was so... Uh, the onus was so much on him. Yeah. It wasn't just that he had one bad game. I mean, there were just epically bad periods of hockey that he mm. was responsible mm-hmm. for. Mm. And I'm not sure that but he, he was just bounced back from that. But he was not the only guy that falls under that category. Right. He's the only one that's taking crap for it. Right, that Because is he's true. being scapegoated. It doesn't matter. I so, mean... It, 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 it does matter. It does matter. If, if the, uh, in terms of the pressure being put on him, I'm not talking about reality. I'm saying like <laughs> it, the the idea that that guy is the scapegoat of the fan base. Every little mistake he makes now is going to be magnified, yeah. well, warranted or not. Enough, if you're strong enough, you overcome it, and all you got to do is play well, and that stuff goes away. Yeah, right. If this kid's the real deal and he believes in himself, and he and he does get better as a young goaltender, then that's not going to be an issue. That argument always comes up, Rand, when you say, oh, can you put a guy in, whatever the sport, what if he loses his confidence? Well, if he loses his confidence, then he's not the guy anyway. So that, you know, you, you, you'll know that when you know it, and then you move on. When do you know I would it? like to see, I would like to see a veteran guy that's done it be behind him, pushing him, and be a guy that you can turn to if you think he's going south a little bit or he needs a blow or whatever, but uh, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not completely sold on Jari, but he had a pretty good regular season. Uh, yeah, right up to right up to the last week of the regular season. I I would like someone other than Casey DeSmith to be the backup. Not that DeSmith hasn't played well when he's been asked, but I have way more faith in Jari being the guy long term than I do Casey DeSmith. I just think he's too small. Let's see what Johan Hedberg's doing right now. He's got to be available, right? <laughs> the moose. Bring back the moose. The moose is loose. Um, all right, more from uh, Mike later this hour. We'll talk with Rob Rossi also about, uh, well, Marc-Andre Fleury's future and what will the Penguins do. I mean, the tweet Fleury had yesterday led me to believe. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, wait for it. In the middle of all of the stuff that was going on with Twitter with, oh, my mm. God, Fleury's got sent to Chicago. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to go there. Wait, the Penguins might want him. How the hell did this all happen? He didn't even know he got traded. It's whirlwind. Is it one of those things where all of a sudden we're all watching in real time as it unfolds and he bounces from Chicago to Pittsburgh? No. But when <laughs> Rossi tweeted out, wait for it. It made me think that somehow uh, somebody tapped him on the shoulder mm, and said, "Don't, yeah. don't go with it." He yeah. was talking about some Totinos he had in the microwave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The wait, he just had it's the more wait of a, a little Zen bit. moment that he was tweeting out. Yeah, yeah. And so I you thought he was going to unveil another big back tattoo of Charlie Watts or something like that. And no, that was not it. So we'll ask him. Seven forty-five. Val, equally exciting. Actually, I would actually be me. excited for yeah. that too. Uh, Val is uh, up with your news right now. What's going on? Here's a Channel 11 severe weather center forecast. Center 11. 65 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Keystone Basement Systems, highest rated, most trusted KeystoneBasementSystems.com. Four police officers who battled rioters on January 6th told Congress on Tuesday in vivid details about how they were beaten, crushed, and shocked as they attempted to protect Congress. The brutal testimony included one officer recounting how rioters tried to gouge his eyes out and called him a traitor as they attacked the Capitol. Another recalled being nearly crushed to death in a doorway, while another said he was beaten until he lost consciousness and cried for mercy, saying, I have kids. 
fourth officer told of how he was called racist names repeatedly. The officers also pointed the finger at former President Donald Trump with one officer saying, quote, all of them were telling us Trump sent us. The Georgia man arrested for killing eight people at three Asian Asian massage parlors was sentenced Tuesday to four life sentences, though prosecutors said investigators didn't believe his crime was motivated by racism. Robert Aaron Long pleaded guilty to every charge he faced in connection with the first four shooting deaths. He said his motivation was to punish those who enabled sex acts. Cherokee County District Attorney Shannon Wallace told the court he didn't believe the killings were any kind of hate crime, but Long does still face hate crime charges in Atlanta. All kinds of fun news this morning. Yes. And the CDC is updating its mask guideline, recommending that vaccinated people wear masks indoors in areas where there are high levels of infection. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said Tuesday that this move should help slow the spread of the highly transmissible Delta variant. She said the vast majority of transmission is being spread among unvaccinated individuals, but there are some breakthrough cases. Walensky said vaccinating more Americans now is more urgent than ever. So like... You know, it it can be somewhat confusing. If you're looking for a reason to not trust what people are telling you to do, uh, you're being given plenty of them by the back and forth nature of the uh, not. This is not a mandate. It is a recommendation. But when the science is changing, when the virus is changing, then your response to it needs to change. You know, I remember people like getting on Fauci, who, by the way, has no power. I mean, he's just like influential. He he can't institute any rules or anything. Yeah, he makes recommendations. You know, so people are like, "We're going to put him in jail." Like, for what? Uh, but suggesting yeah, exactly. But when he said initially in February of 2020, and he's like, "You know, I don't think we're going to need to mask for this." Well, they didn't think that at the time, and then they learned more, and then you react to it. That's what happens. We thought Jari was going to be the answer in goal. Well, maybe he's not going to be. You know, it's like, no, no. Well, you said he was. You said he was going to win the cup. This has been a big internal debate in our house, too, because our school district came out like a couple weeks ago and was just like, hey, we're not going to have masks in school anymore. Don't mm-hmm. need them. You know, we're following CDC guidelines. And we were we were like relieved because we're like, OK, like, good. You know, that's right. if that's Back what the guidelines them. are. They're making the decision for us. We don't have to screw around with it. Well, now it's changed the masks optional. And now it's starting to move back. Maybe it's towards masks back in school, mm-hmm. but they haven't come out and said they're requiring it. So now the debate that I that we're having in the house is the health benefits from not a six year old not getting COVID versus the social oh yeah uh, pariah status that he would have if he's one of like one of thirty kids in a mask the entire time. Yeah. But so I'm like, he- I really, I mean, honestly, I think that's like a fair. Do you want to get? You don't want to get COVID, but you also don't want to get wedgies for being the mask kid. No question, and that's not. I, I, that's why I feel like it's unfair to leave it up to the parents. That's what I mean. Like, just, just tell me what to do. Yeah, like, and make it uniform. But I could see when you leave it up to them and you allow for the possibility of there to be masked and unmasked kids that the the bullying, for lack of a better way of saying it, can go both ways. So if you're not wearing oh, a mask, you know that's true. The super woke kids might be. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about woke's that. the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like uh, you could catch it from both ends here, and it's it's kind of unfair to no the kids. Situation. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to my kids who are a little older, so they understand things a little better. And I was trying to explain the variant yesterday, and that my guess is that by the time they get back to school, masks will be a thing again, yeah. and they were just so bummed about that because it's tough i mean to sit through 
yeah. an eight-hour school day as a kid, especially in middle school. I mean, it's nice to cover up the pimples. But, oh, yeah. But other that. than that, benefit. <laughs> other than that, it's a disaster. It's like you're not even there. And it's another fashion accessory to have to contend oh, with. Think yeah. about. So Worry over. Got to have a cool mask. Can't go in wearing one of those just, you know, baby blue medical masks. What is that, beige? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh workers who contract COVID or who are forced to quarantine due to COVID concerns will be able to count on sick pay for the next year. City council members yesterday passed the sick leave mandate on Tuesday for a vote of seven to one. A similar bill whose deadline was tied to the Pennsylvania COVID state of emergency expired last month. Mayor Bill Peduto is expected to sign that measure. The bill covers Pittsburgh businesses with 50 or more employees. Well, when you're feeling lazy, think of this guy. 90-year-old Dean Troutman of Illinois is passionate about helping kids as he continues to tackle big feats to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Back in 2015, he walked over 500 miles for St. Jude, raising $10,000 along the way. Well, he's back on the road walking 3,600 miles through 15 states. He's 90. That's a lot of walking, even uh, for the Silver Sneakers Club. His wish is that people who hear his story are inspired to donate $36. That's one penny for every mile he walks. While on the mission, Dean is pushing a converted pet carrier, which he calls his buggy, and it carries everything he needs for the journey. Food, clothing, maps, a photo of his late wife, Peggy, looking back at him. And he's even using a Aww. Facebook page to allow people to keep mm. up with where he's at and what he's up to. And with the children of St. Jude in mind, Dean believes the journey is well worth it, explaining he's hoping each day that they can raise enough funds that they'll help some of the kids there. Oh, Dean. Guy trying to make me cry. I'm Dean. S- <laughs> it's stories like that where the first reaction should be, what a great guy. But immediately I think, God, am I a piece of crap? Mm. <laughs> I am just a useless. He's doing this to spite do nothing. me, isn't he? Yeah, yeah exactly. He's trying, <laughs> That's to, right. he's trying he's, to make me look he's bad. He's trying to trigger my inadequacy to make is what he's bad. doing. Hey, Dean. Psst. I'm on to you, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down a little bit. <laughs> and how about Dean just show the guy in Florida who's on the hamster wheel out in the ocean <laughs> that you can walk on land and raise money? Speaking of that hamster wheel thing, which again is so funny to me because I can't believe the guy didn't get shot. Like I thought for sure someone would shoot the the big hamster wheel balloon he was in, but somebody at one of those like church fairground type, mm-hmm. you know, carnival, carnival thing, it, there was like an acrobat doing some sort of uh, routine where it was sp- a spinning cylinder oh, on an arm. I've seen going this. around, yeah, and this yeah. guy was like walking around the cylinder, and seen he, people do that, and. I don't, I'm not sure where it happened. He fell out of the cylinder mm-hmm. at mm. the top. Mm. Like, the worst place. <laughs> messed up. <laughs> right. So he's probably 20 feet more than that in the air and falls right down onto the circle coming back around oh. again that he's supposed to be, you know, acrobatting in uh-huh. and just falls awkwardly and just boom, his back lands on it. And he falls on the ground. And and all you hear is, oh, and it's, there's a bunch of kids watching <laughs> and families and stuff. And I was just thinking about the trauma that they must be feeling having watched this guy nearly paralyze himself. Yeah. I feel like, though, if he, if he actually physically didn't die from that, whatever trigger 
that like that embarrassment trigger, like when you trip and fall and knock the wind out of yourself, you get up and you're like, no, I'm fine, yeah. everything's fine, I'm fine. Like yeah. you feel like he could fa- survive a 20 foot fall in front of a group of kids. Yes. He'd snap his rib cage in half and he'd get up and he'd be like, that's all right, I'm fine. I gotta go to the porta potty real quick. What's going on out there? What's going on there? I think you should leave. Walks where he's, away he's like choking. an accordion, like he's, it's a cartoon. Tim Robinson's <laughs> choking in the one episode. And he's too embarrassed. He's like, don't, don't. He's like, I gotta give you the Heimlich. He's like, no, don't, no. <laughs> Are those chicken nachos? Uh, the latest piece of Kiss merchandise is the Destroyer bicycle. It ranges in price from three hundred to eight hundred bucks. It's it's one of those ones with like the fat tires that you see people. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, a, yeah. it's like a grown up version of a Huffy. Right, three hundred bucks. This has to be like the cheapest thing at the Kiss store. Yeah, uh, right. it is limited to just five hundred units, though. So if you want to get in on that, you better do it quick. Doors guitarist Robbie Krieger will return to where it all began for the band, the Whiskey A Go Go on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood. He'll do that show December eighth. Gibson Guitars is launching its own label, Gibson Records. The first release on the label will be a new album from uh, from Slash, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. No title or release date for that project have been announced. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis were trending yesterday uh, because of their hygiene habits Mm -hmm. and Uh. for the hygiene habits for their kids. Uh, They had a strict rule when it came to bathing their children. Uh, When they were infants, they washed them only when they could see dirt on them. That revelation came in an interview the parents did on Dax Shepard and Monica Padman's Armchair Expert podcast. Mila said, quote, when I had children, I also didn't wash them every day. I wasn't that parent that bathed my newborns ever. If you can see the dirt on them, clean them. Otherwise, there's no point, end quote. Mila, who lived in the Ukraine for the first seven years of her life, said that not showering was very common when she was young. She said, I didn't have hot water growing up as a child, so I didn't shower much anyway. And Ashton said he still doesn't shower much, explaining, quote, I wash my armpits and my crotch daily and nothing else ever. I got a bar of Lever 2000. It delivers every time, end quote. Nothing else. The couple, old hobo bath. <laughs> the couple <laughs> did admit they both wash their faces, though. Well, now, uh, this, this if is, you're hot, you can do stuff like this. Too. I, I concur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uggos can't get away with this. Type <laughs> yeah, <of thing>. no. <laughs> this is one debate that we have in my house. How, do you wash your feet in the shower? Yes, hardly mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, maybe yeah. never. Yeah, so we got two yeses and two uh, two. I, I I'm never. willing to admit, yeah. never. <laughs> it's a problem that takes care of itself. You're standing, yeah. you're soaking in soapy water the yes. whole time. What if you I'm pee in the shower? Huh. I don't, but I apparently feel like men that cleans do it that as a well. lot. Yeah, peeing <laughs> in the shower. Madonna uh, was the one that enlightened the whole world yeah, to well, this. Good for Madonna. She's like, if you pee in the shower, it kills all the fungus. She goes, you okay. get no foot. You'll never get shower fungus. I've well, never not, gotten no, shower. Maybe fungus. it's I've just Madonna's pee, though. Feet. I don't know. Right, it might it is be true. She's got that uh, Kabbalah pee. Yeah, <laughs> that mystical enchanted uh, <laughs> Torah pee. <laughs> No, but this is a big, I, that's what I always, th- and I always sometimes think that even cleaning the shower, I was like, this is a problem that should be taking care of itself. Right, like, it, I'm in the shower, there's soap in here, why is, <laughs> why is there mold and stuff growing in here? Yeah, that is annoying. I do what they're talking about with their kids with my feet. Like, if there's <laughs> dirt that I can <laughs> yeah, right. see on my feet, yes. I will clean yes. my feet. active toe jam, I'll take care of that, but other than that, Other we're, than we're that, not I'm not pulling a hammy in the shower. Yeah, but as on. parents, <laughs> do you guys, what do you think about that? About the the kids? Um, you know, my kids were like dirty every day, yeah. so I could see yeah. it all the time. 
so it wasn't an issue for me. What right. if they have a big blowout? Well, I yeah, mean, that's sometimes that... that requires a bath. But see, oh, yeah. don't you think sometimes, like, I remember always hearing about... Even as an adult. Like, <laughs> in the Civil War days, you know, people would be like, I took a bath on the first Tuesday yeah. of every month, and that was yeah. it. And so, of course, as time progresses, it's like anything else. Like, the, uh, the standards change. So I'm just thinking, I take a shower every single day. I brush my teeth twice a day. Me too. In 100 years, are people going to look at my hygiene habits and be like, he only took one shower a day? Frigging <laughs> gross. Like, what the heck did that guy smell like? You know, I think that's probably going to happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or it goes the other way. I mean, maybe back, back, to, back the, to it. Yeah, back to nature. Out of uh, water. I don't know. Yeah, that might be it. We might be rationed. Like, yeah. what, start doing what the Japanese do, where they have the hand washing uh, station above the toilet. So when you're done going to the bathroom, your hand you rinse water, and then they use the that for the toilet tank. Oh, that's so they very recycle smart. water. That's resourceful. Um, yeah. So, so maybe you know that's hmm. something you'll see in the future. But when you're talking about the Civil War people, I always think about that. Like, I showered last Tuesday. It was great. Those people died of crotch rot. Like, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> My, it's a my horrible way to my go. great <laughs> my, you, have, you have terminal My great uh, uncle, who I think was probably born in like the late twenties, was notorious for he would take one bath a week, but he would use an entire bar of soap as somehow like that, <laughs> like he could like stock up on 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 the soap. Like he's like, I'm well, really I used the whole clean. bar of soap. Like I was squeaky clean when I came out of there. You How know? long would it take you to use a whole bar of soap? Was it a motel soap, like a thin one, or like I an actual know. like? I wasn't there. there thank big God. He's like, he's in there for half the but, week. But That's- the other thing is that he he would immediately go from the shower, put on the same brown tweed jacket oh, he yeah. had, go down to the Elks Club and smoke six packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Oh, he's yes. playing poker. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know how good th- th- that was working for him anyway. Well, there were a lot of other smells that had to Masking. Con- that everybody mm-hmm. had to contend with to get to the body odor. Yes, that's true. It's like, oh, the steel mill's cranked up right now. Everybody's smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I mean, I told you, my dermatologist told me a while ago that you you don't need to use soap on a lot of your body. He's like, you really just got to do your pits. He goes, your pits oh. and your bits. Ash- Ashton Kutcher is following his, his advice. Yeah. My uh, um, uh, uh, ex-girlfriend's grandmother used to say she would call it PT&A is what she would say. <laughs> PT&A. <laughs> She's well, like, that's all you got to do, PT&A. Well, don't you think, though, too, that this is, again, this is a first world problem. This is uh, like, uh, of course, here this would spark controversy. But the w- the way that they live is probably their kids don't get dirty. Right. Yeah, they might not. You know what I mean? Like, if you're sitting in a a, a million-dollar mansion every day on plush carpeting, right? who cares? They don't live on a farm and the kids are playing right. in the yard all day. I will say, though, in the shower, I, I have had the thought several times, like, is my chest really this dirty? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on with my chest that I need like to be washing it I'll this much? I'll tell you what's going on with it. You watched all those soap commercials growing yes. up. And that's yes, what the they Irish did. Spring. They, Everybody suds it up. With circular motion yep. on your chest. Night, working up a nice lather on my, I on my dirty... I still do the, uh, the, the, the towel back thing. And the forth <laughs> towel on the back. <laughs> <laughs> you flossing. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, better. Front to back. Yeah. Woo-hoo. <laughs> 
Better Call Saul actor Bob Odenkirk is in the hospital after collapsing on set. Odenkirk was working on the sixth season in Culver City on Tuesday afternoon when he went down. No word on the 58-year-old's condition or what caused him yeah. to collapse. Man, I hope he's okay. He definitely got super buff for that one movie uh, that he did. And he Nobody. talked about... Yeah, he talked about how strange that was for him to be working out in the gym. I think it's called 8711 out there, where he was like working out with Keanu Reeves, Jason Statham, Halle Berry are all adjacent to him working out with their trainers for their stunt films. And he went oh, in man. as a 57-year-old comedy writer to get, you know, Jack. yeah, and just took it as a challenge. Like, this is the next thing we need to do. Liam Neeson, Dude, Hugh Jackman, what, like every yeah. action star is in there. I feel weird when comedians get buff, something... It's Joe when, Piscopo, it's when Kyle right. Nanjiani is is benching three twenty five, you're like, what? Uh, what's yeah, going what on here? here. Isn't yeah. he in some superhero movie? He's, yeah. he's, he's going to be in the, the Eternals, yeah, with like Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek and them. Yeah, but if you're on set with Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek, I'm going to be going on a on a mm-hmm. HGH kick for a little <laughs> yeah. bit. I'm trying to buff <laughs> up. Sure. I don't remember who said it, but it was um, it might have been Louis um, back in the day when he saw. Jay Moore first starting out when Jay was super young and he was like good looking guy when yeah. he first started and he was like no you don't get to be part you don't of this. get to do this <laughs> you get all the other stuff you're right. you're good looking this and popular this is for the outcasts mm-hmm. and um, you know comedy is definitely sort of cording itself off in different ways and there does seem to be like the ultra good looking comics mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the troglodytes <laughs> you know and uh all right randy could be funny. two in here which one are we in huh <laughs> we gotta take a commercial yeah, break we'll be right back with a can of worms. good looking troglodytes here on the dve macy's dve sports all right here's mike pursuit with your sports now on the dve morning show sports are brought to you by kia the steelers are getting ready to uh Take another step forward at training camp today. The shoulder pads are coming on for the first time, and uh, the program is going to switch from football-like activities to the actual playing of football. And starting today, we're going to see some stuff uh, down at Heinz Field. Uh, General Manager Kevin Colbert spoke with the media yesterday prior to practice, and uh, one of the subjects broached the Steelers' depth. For a lot of us, uh, definitely uh, from my end, uh, depth is perceived as a big concern for this team, but uh, Colbert said he doesn't see it that way. No, no, I wouldn't say we lack depth. We have to. We, I think we lack proven abilities. Do we have people who can play every position on this team? I feel yes, but they have to come out and prove it. Um, Alex Highsmith has to prove that he could be a 16-game starter, and he'll be challenged by Melvin Ingram. Can Cam Sutton be an outside corner on 16 games? And You know, you look at those things and you, you made decisions based on we think they can, but until those players do it, we don't know. Now, a couple things about that. Uh, they're playing 17 games. Uh, understandable mistake. Uh, it's one uh, we'll all probably make from time to time. But number two, uh, the guys that Colbert mentioned, Highsmith and Sutton, and later in, in a, a similar uh broaching of the subject he brought up Kevin Dotson all those guys are supposed to be starters the depth is the guys behind the starters and if the depth is not proven well then I I guess there's a lack of depth that doesn't mean it can't develop but to say they have it now and it's just not proven well that's kind of the definition of yeah I mean he's talking about warm bodies yeah um 
potentially do they have the answers in their locker room or whatever the whatever rooms they're using in the uh, socially distanced era of training camps? Maybe. But right now, uh, that's a concern. Uh, Colbert also detailed uh, the offseason path that led to the additions of Trey Turner at guard and Melvin Ingram at outside linebacker and why Steven Nelson wasn't brought, brought back and uh, ultimately wound up in Philadelphia. As, the, as it went on, and as you go through a spring and you're able to sign a player of your own um, on your own team, and then you say, if you do this, you may have to cut this player. And we had to do those back and forth. And really, our cap situation changed literally three weeks, or I'm sorry, coming out of the, the mini camp, you know, when we decided to move on from David. And all of a sudden, we had cap room. And now we're looking at, wait a minute, this player is available. We might be able to sign him because he was looking for a certain number back in the spring. Now in the early summer, he might be more affordable. So we tried to make those decisions. Um, it's an individual thing. Sometimes it's positional. Sometimes it's just a money issue, how you can afford certain players. And we're, we're happy with the group that's come together to this point. Uh, when Melvin Ingram was still available and we could work it, we were happy to do that. When Trey Turner was affordable and workable, we were happy to do that. So we'll see what we got. Yeah, so basically what he's telling you there is they, they decided they would rather have Cam Sutton than Steven Nelson. And then in terms of bringing Nelson back, it was more affordable and more workable to bring in Trey Turner and Melvin Ingram. Uh I guess I'm all right with that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I sure I'm fine with that. Um, it, you know, Nelson got potentially four million in Philadelphia, two million plus in two and a half million plus incentives. I don't know that he was going to play for that here because he was supposed to make eight plus. Right. So did he want to take a, a half a pay cut just to come back? Yeah, it wasn't like he was tied to the organization that tightly. Isn't it like the James Harrison thing where there's a little bit of pride involved and he's like, if I'm going to take a pay cut, it isn't going to be with you. You're going to pay me what you owe me or I'm going to go somewhere else and I'll play for less for a year. Against you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one guy who didn't look at it that way is the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, He restructured, i.e. took a pay cut, and uh, he's back for uh, one more year. But is this the last year? Is this the last dance for the Steelers franchise quarterback? Again, 2021 is all we're worried about with Ben. Um, To go back on what he did for us back in the spring by taking a restructuring of his contract, it was done with really two purposes. The first, that being his being able to be here, and then also allowing us to do some things financially and cap-wise that we probably wouldn't have been able to do without that restructuring. So it was a very unselfish move on his part. It made him available for 2021. Um, beyond that, none of us know. None of us know. Uh, I'm assuming it's the last year, but what if he does well? Uh, what, Tom Brady's two years older than Ben or three years older than Ben? It's, it's more than that, isn't it? Uh, Ben's 39. Is Brady 42 Brady's or 60. 44? Oh, how old is he? Point being... If Ben starts injecting the blood of young people into into his bloodstream, <laughs> then, you know, mouth kissing his son. That's right, doing all that stuff, sucking the life force out of youth. Yes, yeah, taking his essence. 
Who knows what's possible? Um, ben has been beat up way more than Tom Brady throughout yeah. the uh, duration of his career. It, Tom Brady would have never lasted as long as Ben Roethlisberger had if he was uh, granted the same lack of protection for about half of his career. And he's coming off of a major, major surgery this late in his career to his elbow. And it's not a matter of being smart, smarter or you know more headstrong. It's just they play the game differently. And Ben has yes. always been a much more physical quarterback. And the first sign of trouble, Brady's always thrown it away. So he's naturally going to have less wear and tear. Although, if the reports are to be believed, he played the entire season with half a knee. If the reports are to be believed, he, he also there's also video of him throwing a football into a jugs. Exactly, machine. is that I don't to think be believed? That just, okay, just for the record, I I don't believe that is to be believed. I, I I'm with you, with you on that. Uh, all right, what about <laughs> the, times in a row? I think is impossible. When we come back, I think pretty impossible. Let's take a, a quick break and come back and talk with Rob Rossi. We'll talk about whether to believe the uh, the rumors that somehow behind the scene. Hextall and Burke are maneuvering to bring 29, the little two-niner, back to town. Marc-Andre Fleury traded to the Chicago Blackhawks in, I don't want to say uh, like ignominious fashion, but it was it was uh, uh, kind of disrespectful, you know? Yeah. Guy who was the face of your franchise when it began found out he got traded on Twitter. Cold-blooded. Basically said, like, I don't want to play there. Apparently, if the reports are to be believed. Rob Rossi, when we come back, talking hockey on. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show welcoming onto the program right now from the Athletic, our friend Rob Rossi. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good morning. I am fantastic. This is fantastic can be for like four hours of sleep since Sunday. Yeah. Well, uh, now, why, now why have you only slept four hours since Sunday? Because of work uh, or personal time. issues? Yeah. No, no, no. Well, no. Luckily, it's work. It's just that time of year. You know, it's uh, yeah. a lot of phone calls, a lot of people on the West Coast. So okay. it's not a lot of sleep. But that ends that ends tonight. So, yay. Yeah. Well, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. So a lot could go uh, on between now and then. So first, let's talk about the flurry trade to Vegas. You said mm-hmm. Mark andre Fleury was taken aback by that news. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, he had, um, you know, there he had, you know, he and his camp had heard rumors and that, but they had been, you know, from my understanding, talking to them, they had been told last week that there was nothing coming and that he was going to play next season in Vegas. So um, now, as I wrote in a story I work, wrote with, uh, worked with some of our Chicago writers on, um, but as I wrote, the uh, there's always been with this particular coach in Vegas and this general manager um, a sense of not complete trust from Flurry. Um, but you know, going into this week, he had no reason to believe this was coming, um, and he had been told by the owner last year when the owner blocked the trade to Pittsburgh last summer that you know, he was going to finish his career in Vegas. So um, not only was he shocked, he was, he was really angry because this put him in a position he felt where they sent him to a place they knew he didn't want to play. They didn't tell him about it. He finds out about it on social media. And now he has this sort of decision to make because 
Flurry being the stand-up guy that he is, the Blackhawks have, um, you know, seven million committed to him for next season, and that would be money they could spend in free agency, which they actually would need to get back because they went out and made a trade yesterday that added more to their salary cap. So it's the mess of a situation for a flurry. Why would Chicago want to bring someone in that high profile with that much of a cap hit who didn't want to play there? Arrogance. It's a very arrogant organization. They thought they could change his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you hear, everything about the Chicago Blackhawks right now needs to be viewed with also in the prism of they well, the, are going huge scandal, huge scandal uh, yeah. is going on there. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, Penn State-like situation there, and um, uh, they are very much either in denial or outright just trying to, hey, look the other way. And the the guy that's going to be uh, not, not not the reason for that scandal, but certainly involved with it, is their general manager. And um, a lot of people are shocked that he's still being allowed to run the franchise, but he seems to be just going after big name after big name right now to try to sort of change the narrative. Um, but I think from what I heard, they got him to keep him in terms of flurry and either they didn't do their due diligence and that's possible uh, and, and not recognize that he didn't want to play anywhere um, except for a couple spots or um, they just didn't care and thought they could convince him and, you know, look, I know Mark, uh, he's a really, he's the best guy. I mean, he really is. And he'll do almost anything for his franchise, sometimes often to his own detriment, but this is not a guy that wants to move his family to Chicago. And that has nothing to do with the Blackhawks organization. I'm told he just doesn't want to uproot his family and family is such an important thing to him at this point in his career. And, you know, I don't even need sources to tell you this, just knowing that, it's obvious that there'd be only two places he would want to play. And that's the two places his family knows. Well, all right. Is there a path for him to come to Pittsburgh? If the Penguins want it, there is, yeah. I Do they? That's going to depend. Um, I believe there's interest. Well, let me, let me say this. That, that's a complicated answer for this reason. They had a plan to upgrade their goaltending. That plan did not include Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, before yesterday, and then the Flurry situation kind of falls into their lap. Um, they risk if Flurry takes too long in deciding whether he would just retire or want to try to force his way to Pittsburgh, they risk not being able to pull off that plan. Um, in a perfect world, there would have been discussion yesterday. Now, they can't talk to Flurry, that's the problem. Um, but they can, you know, every team can back channel. Um, but in a perfect world, Yes, I think they would want Mark here, and they would want Mark here uh, at a lower cap number than his current number of $7 million because they'd like to make a trade to get uh, either one of the players they want to move off their books so that they could get Mark at a lower cap number or have Chicago eat some of that cap number. Um, and I don't know if there's enough time to do all that, but um, I also don't know how – and I don't – I don't know this part, Randy, because it's just we haven't seen it yet. I don't know in terms of this management group with Ron Hextall how quick they are to adjust when things change. Um, that doesn't mean they aren't, but I just don't know that they how, how they are or if they are. 
Rob, in terms of the upgrade plan, uh, is that bring in a veteran backup or is that bring in a new starter? Well, at the beginning, I, I, at the beginning of this venture, and that's right after the playoff, they, they preferred to find a new starter. Um, they were leaning as of the weekend based off the way, their read of the market to bringing in a sort of 1A that would compete with Jari, and they preferred to do that on the, on, via a trade rather than the free agent market because they didn't want to overpay. Um, obviously, I don't see a situation in which, if we're talking about Flurry, they would have Flurry and Jari um, unless they could really work out a deal that Chicago's eating or Chicago takes back enough cap space that it makes it financially feasible for the Penguins. If that is the case, I think they'd be okay with that because I think there's still a view by this management, as there was by the previous management, that um, Flurry would be great for Jari. But um, I think as of right now, the plan is to go out and get somebody that would be sort of a 1A along with Jari and see how it plays out. But that's not counting Flurry. Rob, the two things that I can't understand about this from Vegas' standpoint is why would they extend Laner last year in October and ca- and carry $12 million basically in salary in net for two seasons when every team is is cap-strapped? And then why would they trade him in this way for basically nothing as a salary dump when Rutherford said earlier this season before he stepped away or after he stepped away that he was willing to pay the price for, for Flurry? Bill Foley, their owner, never wanted to trade Marc-Andre Fleury to Pittsburgh because he viewed that Marc-Andre Fleury was Vegas's, not Pittsburgh's, and didn't want to have uh, Fleury seem as much a part of the Penguins' history as it was for Vegas. Uh, So there's that one. Two, um, uh, they felt that going into a season in which there was going to be a compacted schedule – um, and it was going to be a sprint to make the playoffs, that the best mode for them to win was to have uh, strong goaltending, and they were willing to pay that $12 million for Laner and Flurry. Um, hmm. In terms of why they would do this like this, um, I think we give a lot of credit to Vegas for being a well-run franchise, but I think we also ignore that the NHL didn't provide them with any sort of rules to follow going into their existence because the expansion draft was basically theirs for the, you know, uh, you know, pillaring of, of other, of other franchises at the time. They didn't even have to protect anybody in this expansion draft. Um, and they've sort of operated in a real world where like the salary cap and things like that, they've been able to manipulate it so that it doesn't apply to them. Um, so I think they're not as experienced in dealing with these things as other franchises, and I don't think they realize how how much damaging this, how much damage this can do to their brand. Um, and their brand took a hit yesterday. I know talking to players, talking to some players I know around the league that said that the way they handled this with Flurry, who's dude looked beloved everywhere, to not tell him to let him find out the way he did. That that that's catching the eyes of a lot of players around this league. Rob Rossi of the Athletic. Hey, Rob, thanks for making time for us this morning. How many Stone shows are you planning on going to? Uh, at least three, ideally five. 
they play like the same set though every night. Doesn't that make you less excited um, about really, going to multiple really shows? Because no, because I mean, a Mick Jagger's great every night, and and look, I mean, he's seventy eight, so I, I got to get mine in, and because I don't want to, I don't want to leave anything on the table. All right, well, best of luck to you, and uh, mm-hmm. thanks for making time for us this morning, man. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank right. you. We'll see you. Fowl's got your news when we return here on the DVE Morberg. I score the together time as I'm doing, I, I, I'm, I'm putting in my service. When really it should be, this is benefiting right. the both of us. Yes. I'm like, this is me doing my part. Right. When it's just, ah. the, yeah, this is for you. Yeah. Well, the other, <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing is that you have to make sure that it's actually an event that you want to go to. Dragging her to a Penguins, uh, a preseason Penguins game, and then meeting your your drunk buddies at a bar just because she's there that doesn't count. No. Like and that, yeah. group time is not alone time. Group time is no. Because I don't know about you guys, but at this point in my life, basically we will get to an event. And it's like an eighth grade dance. All the boys and girls will completely separate. <laughs> There'll sort of be some mingling in the middle during the slow dance and then re-separate and then go home. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Jeff Conkle on here, Mr. Wednesday. Still trying to get him to write that book. He really should write his have to press him every week. marriage rules book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be a bestseller. Um, oh, I see you have a Roger Daltrey quote there. Is that pertinent That's for me? Oh, I thought it was no. tied to the uh, no. the last bit that we had there. It's well, not for Randy. It's not for Mom. Take it away. That's for Val. Uh, <laughs> here's a Channel 11 severe weather. It's relevant. 68 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. President Biden will reportedly impose a vaccination mandate on federal workers. CNN reports Biden will make the announcement tomorrow. He said yesterday the move was under consideration. It will reportedly not include military members for the time being. That mandate will likely come along with new incentives to boost vaccinations nationwide as the Delta variant of COVID continues rapidly spreading. Drug makers are looking to speed up the process of getting their vaccines approved for younger children by year's end. Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech plan to expand the size of their clinical trial testing COVID-19 vaccines on kids ages 5 to 11. The U.S. drug maker trial, which began in late March, will be looking at the potential rare side effects of post-vaccination, including heart inflammation. The expansion of the trial comes as the nation deals with a surge of COVID-19 cases and the start of the new school year in the coming weeks. Hundreds of Pennsylvanians may be at risk of losing their homes as the COVID-19 eviction moratorium is expected to, or is set rather, to expire this week. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention extended the original end date to July 31st. State officials urge those who are at risk of eviction or utility turnoff due to the pandemic to apply for the emergency rental assistance program as soon as possible to get some help. U.S. News and World Report has named UPMC Presbyterian Shadyside the number one hospital in the Pittsburgh region. Statewide, the hospital is second to the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania Penn Presbyterian. The magazine just published its annual list of the top hospitals in the country. Two other UPMC hospitals were also ranked, along with St. Clair and Allegheny General.
Allegheny County health officials and federal wildlife service agents are preparing to initiate a program this week aimed at reducing rabies in raccoons. The agents plan to distribute so-called raccoon rabies vaccine baits around the country beginning tomorrow by ground and air. Helicopter and fixed-wing airplane drops are planned, so if you see, you know, some low-flying aircraft around that may be what it is part of the goal is to lessen the chance for rabies exposure for humans and pets if you want more details on that you can go to alleghenycounty.us and uh, enter the keyword rabies fatchy dude he's trying to vaccinate all them raccoons dude he's overreaching dude fatchy come on fatchy he's too much (laughs) Fatchy. are we taking our eyes off the ball a little bit here with the vaccinations of uh of raccoons I know it's a, it's a problem. I mean, they're scary when you see them in the daylight. But well, this is like when they tried to uh, when the squirrel population got really big. And, <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, squirrel population got really big, and my dad uh, he he said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, it, it's crazy what they're doing." And he gave me this acorn. And he goes, "This is the acorns they're trying to feed the squirrels now." It was a real acorn, and it popped it open. And there's a rubber in it. <laughs> 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 I'm like, where the hell did you get this? He's like, those are cool, aren't they? I'm like, cool's not the word I would use, but <laughs> the fact that you think it is uh, says a lot. Walmart employees attending college will get some big financial help starting next month. That's when the Arkansas-based company will cover 100% of tuition costs. Books will also be paid for when the program starts August 16th. Meantime, employees will no longer have to pay a $1 per day fee if they're part of the Live Better You education program. And Walmart also launching their own wine collection. Walmart winemakers selection is an international affair, including Malbec from Argentina, Italian Pinot Grigio, French Rosé, Cabernet Sauvignon from California, and a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. Files getting good at saying the wine names now that she's yes, a wine. I'm a wine yeah. uh, Each bottle just ten bucks for the Walmart winemaker selection. Such a deal. This is steal. Uh, There's another public service industry requiring people to get vaccinated to take advantage of of their uh, services. Professional dominatrixes. Goddess Alexandra Snow is a professional dominatrix. She's not just dabbling in it. She's uh, she went pro. Right. She's the owner as well of BDSM collective Wicked Eden in Columbus, Ohio. She tweeted any submissives who want a session with her in person, have to show proof of vaccination. She told Rolling Stone she's had at least a dozen subs who have agreed to get vaccinated. One sub named Bob explained, quote, it was less about convincing me and more about her confirming to me it was the right thing to do. It feels good to know I'm hopefully contributing to others not falling seriously ill. And, of course, it's gratifying to know I've done something that Goddess Snow approves of. If they're truly submissives, she should just tell them to get vaccinated, period. Well, she's kind of doing that. Get vaccinated. You're getting jabbed and you're getting jabbed. (laughs) It's a double jab day for you. Just whip them the whole way through their vaccination. (laughs) Can you imagine doing this or your kid doing this? A 14-year-old in China was not happy his dad gave him chores to do around the house. So he went to the police and accused his dad of illegal child labor. The father said he was sick and tired of seeing his kid's face in his phone, buried in it all the time, ignoring his schoolwork. So he gave him some chores to do. 
Well, the son responded by sneaking out of the house, marching right down to the police station where he said he wanted his dad charged with illegal child labor. So well, office that response from the kid completely validates the dad's concern as far as I'm concerned. Yes. <laughs> Officers walked problem. the boy back home and spoke to the father who was shocked his son had snuck out and gone to police. The officer told him that household chores do not constitute child labor. That's right. Uh, so dad will not be in any legal trouble. Yeah, he's not making iPhones. Right. And he's, you know, unless you're profiting from the labor, it's not labor. Pull your weight. These kids, I'll tell you what. I mean, everything is is a debate. Everything is uh, an argument. Can you take out the trash? What do you give me? Nothing. A roof over your <laughs> I'll head. Feed you tonight. A blanket for your bed. <laughs> a blanket. <laughs> well, maybe you should start doing that, Bill. Just deprive them of everything. And then they have to earn yeah. it back. You'd be yeah. like uh, Joe Pantoliano and Risky Business sitting right. on the truck selling <laughs> yeah. everything back to everything Tom Cruise. Everything is on the truck. <laughs> yeah. You want a bed tonight? Yeah, you want a bed tonight? What are you going to do for it? It's going to be a rake the lawn. <laughs> Metallica guitarist Kirk Hammett and bassist Robert Trujillo spoke to San Francisco Giants postgame live analyst George Contos on Thursday about celebrating the band's 40th anniversary this year. Kirk said that for him, the 40 years passed so quickly and he still feels like Metallica haven't really peaked and are still real hungry and still want to make music. They still care about music and each other. He doesn't see any signs of them slowing down because they still have stuff they want to do. Robert Trujillo believes that what's insane about all this is, quote, there's no sort shortage of musical ideas and riffs and grooves and bass lines. A lot of times when bands have been around for as long as Metallica, there's a shortage. People run out of ideas. Uh, the opposite is true for them. They've got too many ideas, and he sees that as a good problem to have. It always kind of surprises me when you hear that established songwriters are, like, completely tapped out. Like, when you hear the stories of how Paul Simon got re-inspired, which is a nice way of saying probably ripped off a whole lot of songs, by bringing in a bunch of songwriters mm-hmm. and performers just to just to jam with and then like took all the riffs from that and put it into graceland and then sort of co-opted the whole you know south african um, musical aesthetic Mm -hmm. as a part of the uh, production of graceland but the guys from los lobos he brought in and they did an interview with an la times magazine and they're like he didn't have any idea he just didn't know what to do at all it's like paul simon in 1985, not like last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I you know, you do it for 40 years. Hit a wall. I mean, at that point, he had been doing it for probably you know close to 30. Um, but it, it is strange. Mm-hmm. It and I had this discussion the other day uh, with a friend about inspiration for artists after the age of 50. How many great songs are written by you know bruce springsteen the paul mccartney right. you know, like the lion's share of the catalog is always written when you're younger and is that because the fame from your earlier work takes you out of that inspirational place sure well your life is completely different but if you were never i guess my point is it does a less successful person have a better chance of writing a great song after the age of 50 by virtue of their not being content or, or still having the vantage point that relates to most people who don't have mm-hmm. a couple of houses. Right. And, like, is, is success the biggest factor? Right. And not age? Yeah. I would say probably, yeah. 
But also, if you're not successful by that age, maybe you don't have the talent. Have it. But that's not, you know, that's not true in comedy. You know, it's not. Right. Dangerfield didn't become a famous stand up comic till later in his life. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a meritocracy in any art form. It's, you got to be in the right place at the right time. And you got to have enough talent to have the lottery ticket to maybe, hopefully, be the winner. Mm-hmm. Sure. And have all things conspire to make you famous or well, successful. And then on the flip side of that, musically, there are a ton of great bands who don't break big. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tons of yeah. great bands break up and you're In just Pittsburgh. like, oh, oh, my God. The amount of Pittsburgh bands. That could be great. You know, Zub's going to be on the show later on. He's taken off going to Los Angeles. He's going to where mm-hmm. the music industry is. And, and you know, we, we'll have a, a nice send-off for Zub, who's been, you know, really great for us here at DV, but really great for the music scene. Uh, he was one of the, I think, key cogs in what has made the Pittsburgh music scene so great over the last 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. It has been exceptional here. Yep. Um, but they don't come find you. Right. You 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 have to go to where the industry is and it's you know it's not always the easiest thing to do. If this were a different town, a lot of these bands I think I to me meeting of important people they're I don't understand how they're not world famous. Recluse. Yeah, I agree. Amazing. Common Heart. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Paul Luke's albums are as good as anything coming out of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Andre Costello and Kuma, like Chet like and the list goes on and on. And those are like you know those guys are all in their 30s. Mhm. You know, I don't even know what's going on right now with the like the younger cats who are like early twenties. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, with those people in front of them having already sort of fomented this awesome music scene here in Pittsburgh, that there's oh, going to be probably some killer killers. bands yeah, coming. Killers out. Out mm-hmm. there. Killers. In a recent interview with the Times, Roger Daltrey opened up about discovering he had three more daughters, bringing his total to eight. He said, quote, when three daughters arrived on my doorstep unexpectedly in the 90s, the products of relationships with women in the 60s, I accepted them and I love them very much. I'm very lucky. I wouldn't have been a good father when I was on the road. There's no no point in wishing that I could have. I couldn't. In the early days, there were lots of parties, booze and relationships. We had no money, so we were sharing rooms and it was chaos. When we got arrested in 1973 in Montreal for wrecking a room, I'd been ordered to go to bed by the doctor, so I didn't do the smashing up. Some of those rooms did need a bit of redecorating. End quote. Daltrey has a son with his first wife, Jackie, another son with another woman while he was married to Jackie, and three children with his second wife, Heather, who he recently celebrated 50 years of marriage with. Here's Roger talking about being married that long. How the hell... Heather put up with my behaviour over the years. But, you know, the only thing you can do in our business, because we are transient, we're moving on all the time, we were young men, is just to be honest and just say, yeah, I f***ed up. And if you f*** up, I'll forgive you too. I guess you have to be willing to put up with that behaviour. Now that is a gender reveal. Like, that is a real deal. <laughs> oh, I have three new daughters that I was unaware of. You know, like, the first one showed up. He's like, sorry, birdie, not my type. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your daughter. Oh, oh, my. Finally, hashtag Free Britney is coming to Frisco, Texas. The Rough Riders, a minor league affiliate of the Texas Rangers baseball team, are planning to honor Britney Spears on August 5th by giving out 500 pink t-shirts featuring the hashtag free Britney. They'll also give free admission to people named Britney, anyone born on December 2nd or dressed up as Britney Spears. 
Uh, the pop star is currently trying to get out of her conservatorship run by her dad. Sunny, warm, chance of showers and thunderstorms later, upper 80s for the high today. We're at 67 at DVE. Still lots to come. We celebrate probably the biggest concert in American history that occurred on this day. A lot of people think Woodstock was the biggest, the original. I don't think it was. A lot of historians agree it was Watkins Glen, the Grateful Dead, the band, and the Allman Brothers band. Some reports have over 700,000 people showed up on that day. If you've ever seen the aerial photos, it's it's just terrifying looking. Uh, It was so big, they all showed up the day before, and the Grateful Dead was, quote-unquote, sound-checking for six hours. They basically just played a show for a bunch of people Hmm. because there were hundreds of thousands of people already there. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, we just don't do that as much anymore, do we? That's, no. <laughs> that's just not, not a... Well, I guess when the temperatures are about 10 degrees hotter and... Uh, there's drought everywhere. There's a, there's a pandemic. And... <laughs> yeah, it's not as Floods attractive other of, places. A, of a uh, proposition. Like, what was the porta potty situation there? No, there was none. No. There okay, was... so why was, why was the second Woodstock such an absolute disaster? You watched that, right? Did you watch that documentary? I did not. Oh, my I'm, God, I mean, you got to watch it. It's in it. the queue. you got to watch but it. But that was the third one. It was the third one. Yeah. Which I think so many people forget. I conflated I 94 I and 99 into <laughs> one. Yeah, I think that's what I did, too. But 99 was especially terrible. Yes. and we, I remember that one. I talked about it on the show on Monday when you were off, and it's... You have to watch it. It's on HBO. It's it's like a true crime show. It's it's laid out like a horror story. It's not like a remembrance of this great festival. It's right. here's here's when things here's started to go bad. Yeah. Day one. And they got wow. worser and worser and worser. Um so we'll 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 pay tribute to uh the uh the big Watkins Glen show by going into the archives, Sean McDowell's interviews. He uh, texted me at 5 a.m. Hey, got a cool soundbite from Butch Trucks. You might want to get. Of course. Of course I want to get Sean. Thanks. <laughs> Sean, the <laughs> least retired retiree in all of retirement. Uh, and then we'll uh, check in with Mark Madden at 945. And we say goodbye to Zub. Our buddy Zub is uh, taking off going to California, like we mentioned. Uh, and he's got a going away show tomorrow night at Mr. Small's Funhouse and a new record to go along with it. So we'll play a clip from that. Mike's got your sports when we return here on the DVE. DVE Sports. All right, here's Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE mm-hmm. Morning Show. Mike. Sports is brought to you by Dormont Appliance. The Steelers made tight end Eric Ebron available to the media after yesterday's practice, and Ebron had a lot to say. Uh, give a listen to uh, Ebron here talking about uh, the Steelers' new position coach, Alfredo Roberts, and uh, a new commitment to blocking that's part of a whole new attitude at the tight end position. Badasses or bad donkeys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> bad donkeys or yeah. bad asses? Bad donkeys. Is that new for this asses. year? Asses. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, is that new for this year? Hell yeah. Tight ends, we should be badasses. We should be. We should be able to block badass. We should be able to run badass routes. And we should be able to score on anybody in a badass way. And that's the that's the mantra we're going to take this year. And that's the mantra we're going to take for our room. They're bad donkey asses? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he meant bad asses. I don't know if he was uh, quite certain he could say it, so he was trying to substitute donkey. But bad donkeys doesn't really 
inspire uh, any kind of confidence in the team or fear in the opponent. So let's go with bad asses. Bad donkeys is not scary. No. Those are the just is, bad donkeys. By the way, donkeys, <laughs> the uh, nickname of the high school in dodgeball. Oh, really? Yeah, when the, we went to Vegas and yeah. the kid had to leave the volleyball team to go participate in the cheerleading competition. <laughs> Who could forget? Go donkeys. <laughs> Remember forget? that? Yes. I don't. Uh, they got to be better there. Ebron said he's got a new attitude toward blocking. Uh, Fryermuth is uh, telling everybody he knows he's got a block. Uh, Zach Gentry uh, is bigger, uh, seemingly stronger, and seemingly more aware uh, of what he has to do to get on the field and be effective when he gets out there. It's all great in theory. And uh, if they can uh, particularly get a one-two punch of Fryermuth and Egram of, excuse me, Ebron and Fryermuth going at the position. There's some real possibilities for this offense. Fryermuth, the second-year, second-round draft pick out of Penn State, has been lighting it up on the receiving end, but he also talked yesterday about uh, getting it when it comes to blocking. Yeah, I mean, I was drafted because I could do both things. Um, you know, obviously, it's kind of hard to show that you can block with helmets on. Um, so, you know, I, you know, my job is to make catches. And my job is to, you know, block the ends and block linebackers, and I, and I know that. So, um, you know, I've had a good first couple of days of camp, but I know the real work starts tomorrow when the pads go on, and i got to prove that I can go out there and block the ends. Yeah, tomorrow is today, and the pads are coming on. And uh, everybody looking forward to that from Mike Tomlin on down. Uh, Fryermuth also talked about uh, what he perceives to be a blossoming working relationship with uh, the veteran at the position, Ebron. Yeah, he's been great. You know, he reached out to me when I got drafted and, and he said, can't wait to work with you. And, you know, he's been awesome. Just kind of giving me wisdom of, you know, how to play the position in, in the NFL. And, um, you know, we, we play really well together. You know, we kind of feed off each other and kind of feed off the energy. You know, he's going to be the loud guy that goes out there and gets the fans going and everything like that. But, you know, I'm just going to go out there and make my plays and just kind of keep my mouth quiet. So, um, you know, we kind of opposite the track and I think that's what's going on right now. Mike, we give these guys a lot of guff, tight ends that don't block. We go, oh, he's a finesse guy. He doesn't block. But the reality of it is is that you got to block some of the most badass, high-paid players in the league. Blocking a D-end and a linebacker ain't easy. Well, you got to fight uh, badassery with badassery. Maybe that's why they came up with their new mantra, mantra, <laughs> whatever, as, uh, as Ebron called it. Uh, we keep getting back to Fryermuth, don't we? This kid... The more I see of him, the more I want to see. Move. And, uh, you know, the Najee, Najee Harris excitement is genuine and real and understandable, but uh, th- th- this kid's not uh, number two to me. He's number 1A in terms of uh, the rookies that should get people excited. Uh, Najee Harris doesn't get vaccinated. He is going to be a pariah. I can tell you that right now because if he, you know, no matter what your stance on vaccinations are, if he costs the Steelers a game, his uh, standing with the fan base will go down considerably. I, I think it's a team thing at this point and a league thing. And uh, you know, if you want to be in the league, uh, you got to you got to go along to get along, right? Uh, it's it's going to be very difficult if you choose not to, and it's going to potentially cause problems. Uh, you know, we've talked, I think, last week about what's going on in Buffalo, the, the Steelers oh, yeah. week one opponent, a, a divided locker room in terms of it. Uh, the, the Steelers don't have that problem uh, 
It's anywhere near that degree, but they're not at 100% yet either. They're over 90% on the vaccinations, but uh, there are some holdouts. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But uh, the emphasis today is going to be on hitting and uh, seeing who can uh, do all the things that uh, they are projected to do with the pads on uh, the separation begins today. And uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, Fans are allowed uh, at Heinz Field today and... uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be eye opening. Pirates lost to the Brewers nine nothing last night. Uh, Tyler <laughs> Anderson was supposed to get the start. That, that hurt my Any, eyes. They were they open, were to... <laughs> and and now they hurt. <laughs> Anderson was uh, pulled from his start. He was supposed to be traded to Philadelphia, but according to the Athletics, Ken Rosenthal, uh, one of the prospects that was coming back to Pittsburgh had some medical issues, so uh, the Pirates Phillies deal did not materialize. They end up trading Anderson to the Seattle Mariners for a double-A catcher and a pitcher from the Dominican Summer League. Luis Aviedo uh, got the spot start. His uh, line was one inning pitched, five hits, eight runs, six of them earned, three walks, and two shutouts. The Bucks lose to the Brewers nine to nothing. They will be playing uh, the Brewers again tonight. Adrian Hauser on the mound for Milwaukee. And uh, TBA is on the mound for the Pirates. They don't. They don't know who's going to pitch yet. Hmm. I don't know that it matters. <laughs> uh, Doesn't matter. Is <laughs> pitching tonight? Val's got your news coming up top of the hour. What do you got, Valerie? Have you ever heard of transient global amnesia? You probably haven't. I think we'll talk I have, about it but coming I probably up. Forgot. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about one dad who suffered from it and what happened to him coming up. Uh, we'll pay tribute to the biggest concert ever. Also, we say goodbye to uh, a uh, a stalwart of the Pittsburgh music scene, as Zub releases an album, has a goodbye show tomorrow at Mr. Small's with a bunch of, uh, uh, of friends from the local scene, and drops a new album all in the same Feld swoop. I guess it's not a Feld swoop. I mean, he's not swooping. He's swooping. More of a jettisoning, jettisoning. to the West Coast. Feld, uh, and then Mark Feld Madden, jettison. who doesn't swoop. He doesn't, I'm sure he has never been jettisoned. He'll be joining us at 9.45 with, I'm, I'm sure, a, lots of happy takes. Very empathetic about Simone Biles, I'm sure. Happy takes. Happy takes. Let's just call that segment Happy Takes. <laughs> oh, happy takes. Oh, happy takes. Happy takes. A happy, happy takes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That's on the way for you. Also, you know, I want to let you guys know, Matt Bronger is coming to town. Love Matt Bronger. Now, he's not been here for, I think, nine years. What does that say? Since Comedy Fest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, eight years. And that was the year for Comedy Fest. We had Amy Schumer, Eliza Schlesinger, Chris Porter, and Matt Bronger, which will always be my favorite show we ever did. Killer lineup. And it went, like, the, the after party went until the next morning. That was the second one, right? I believe that was year two. Might have been the second one. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we haven't seen Matt back in town since then. But he he is one of the funniest guys. He's going to be at Jurgles on August 20th. And I wanted to let you know about that. He's uh, the guy who did the Bob Seger story here on the air, which gets requested quite often. Everybody wants a copy of that. you know. And I'm not sure there's one on the internet. But buy tickets to see Matt Bronger at Jurgles, August 20th at Jurgles' website, which I believe is just Jurgles.com. Okay. And uh, we'll play some Bronger before we get out of here today as well. DV.
Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. July 28th, 1973. On this day. Over 600,000 people showed up at Watkins Glen Grand Prix Raceway in Watkins Glen, New York, to see the Allman Brothers, the Grateful Dead, and the band. Bigger than Woodstock, by most accounts. There should be a movie made about this. You can go read the Wikipedia story of the logistics of this concert. Well, I know that I've been up there to the town of Watkins Glen. It's not very big. No. Sean McDowell, the retired Sean McDowell, texted me this morning to say, hey, go into my archives, dig out that interview I did with Butch Trucks. Here's uh, Sean back in the day talking to the late great drummer of the Almond Brothers, Butch Trucks, and his remembrance, his memory of that historic concert, the Summer Jam at Watkins Glen on this day in 1973. So next Thursday, but Butch, you and J-Mo, the Almonds' other original drummer, you do have been doing this for a long time. What was Watkins Glen like? 1973, the Almonds? I don't know. The Great <laughs> I don't remember a thing about it. <laughs> The Dead, the band, 600,000 people. Butch, do you have any recollection of what that experience was like? Well, sort of. I remember a lot of people there, but and I, here, here's the funny one: is you know, I guess that that was three of the top jam bands in the world. Yep. You know, the, the yeah. band, the band opened, and then the Dead played, and then we closed, and then there was the what everyone was going was waiting for the the penultimate jam of mm-hmm. the three greatest jam bands out there. It turned into total, I mean, it was just horrible. It was horrible. It was a complete cacophony. Oh, and no. you know, you know why? Why? Drugs. The, dr- the drugs didn't mix. <laughs> the band were all drunk as skunks. They were falling all over the place. Bill, Bill Graham was having to keep Rick Danko from falling off the front of the stage. He was out. Oh. And the dead were all, dead were all tripping. Like right. They always Those, yeah. <laughs> and we were all doing coke. So we got. <laughs> you put it all together. And it was god awful. I've, I've heard the tapes. You do not want to hear them. You know. <laughs> yeah, on this day, back in 1973, the Summer Jam at Watkins Glen, 600,000 people, little archive clip there from uh, Sean McDowell leading into that with Butch Trucks, that was hilarious. We right. were on cocaine, we were like... Matt Pronger coming to town August 20th. Pronger's going to be here, and uh, he's. it's been so long since he was back in town. Get your tickets at jurgles.com, and you know him from the Bob Seger clip on the show. Here he was uh, just kind of riffing with, uh, with Val and I um, on the show. God, this would have been probably 2012. I was going to say it was well before his yeah, comedy a, festival. At least a year before. A 96-year-old woman in England goes to work every day. As a prostitute, 
Oh, come on. She says these days girls have giant boobs and skinny bodies and parade around half naked. And back in her day, she said those girls would have been called trollops. Well, the people that have sex with her are called necrophiliacs. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, at a certain point, you just move into fetish territory and then you just got your niche and that's it. You know, <laughs> just like, you know, you're the person that the guy's like, listen, I have kind of a weird thing. <laughs> okay. Bring out Melba, or whatever her name is. Like, <laughs> the prune chaser. Yeah. Like, you know, I wonder if there's anything she won't do. She's like, no, I don't do that. It's like, yeah. you're 96. Well, but the thing is, let's be honest. I mean, her, what she thinks of as sex is probably like, you know, shaking someone's hand without a glove. Like, it's not actually She's sex. From like the, she She's, was 20 in night. She, like, shows you one ankle. Yeah. Scandalous. <laughs> You know, they need people like that Victorian era of, of sex where you wear so many layers and you chastely kiss and then the man. <laughs> no, now we got rid of that. It's okay. okay, though. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he won't be bleeped at Jurgles. August 20th. Get tickets to see Matt Bronger. Jurgles.com. Uh, and uh, that uh, comes with our highest recommendation. We say goodbye to our friend Zoob with a special coffee house coming up 915 here on DV. Berg. Can you imagine doing this or your kid doing this? A 14-year-old in China was not happy his dad gave him chores to do around the house. So he went to the police and accused his dad of illegal child labor. These kids, I'll tell you what. I mean, everything is is a debate. Everything is uh, an argument. Can you take out the trash? What do you give me? Nothing. <laughs> a roof over your I'll head. I'll feed you tonight. A blanket for your bed. <laughs> A blanket. Well, maybe you should start doing that, Bill. Just deprive them of everything. And then they have to earn yeah. it back. You'd be yeah. like uh, Joe Pantoliano and Risky Business sitting right. on the truck selling <laughs> yeah. everything back to everything Tom Cruise. Everything is on the truck. <laughs> yeah. You want a bed tonight? Yeah, you want a bed tonight? What are you going to do for it? It's going to be a rake the lawn. <laughs> Brandy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after nine at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center for 68 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A former Massachusetts Boy Scouts leader will spend 33 years in federal prison for sexually exploiting children. 25-year-old Matthew Murphy was sentenced this week after pleading guilty in January of last year to five counts of sexual exploitation of children. Prosecutors say Murphy posed as a teenage girl online and solicited nude pictures from numerous teenage boys. Murphy exploited at least 15 children, including some he met through his connection to local Boy Scout troops. Officials with the Wolf administration say they won't uh, reconsider reinstating the statewide mask mandate for K-12 through schools. The announcement comes amid updated guidance from the CDC saying everyone in schools should wear masks regardless of their vaccination status. A spokesperson for the State Department of Education said the administration is recommending Pennsylvanians follow that guidance. Two boats were destroyed in a marina fire that broke out yesterday afternoon along the Ohio River on the north side. Heavy smoke could be seen coming from the Branchport Boat Club in the Chateau neighborhood. Officials say there was no one at the marina when the fire occurred. The cause is under investigation. In Fox Chapel, police have arrested a man they say has been living illegally in a vacant $700,000 home on Riding Meadow Road. 
Police say 28-year-old noble Prince Kamori L. has been charged with criminal trespass in the case. Kamori L. had been uh, trying to take possession of the house on behalf of an organization that's described as a private tribal association of indigenous people. The group does not believe government law applies to them. Police Chief David Locks says it is probably the strangest case he has ever seen. Well, most people who got vaccinated early were excited about it. Then we had the people who did it just because they were getting a chance to win a million dollars or drive a lap at Talladega. Uh, Now people are uh, going in disguise to get their vaccine. A doctor in rural Missouri says people have been showing up in disguises to get their shots because they don't want their anti-vaxxer friends and family to find out. She says it's a common enough issue. Her hospital is now offering vaccinations in private rooms. And at least one person even begged her not to tell anyone they got the shot, which you couldn't do anyway. So, hey, Cletus, what are you doing going to the doctor? Mm-hmm. Huh? Huh? I got herpes. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting the vax. Now that's something you can be proud of. <laughs> I don't I that is a different way than I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be the people that pretend to be anti-vaxxers but are secretly scared of the virus and going to get it wearing disguises. That's Isn't that's, that what it is? Though? Well, it's I no, think it's that's people that are trying to protect it from their family members that are anti-vaxxers, right? Well, but I yeah, but I think they probably were in that group for a while. Yeah. I mean, they've waited this long to get it, so. Mm-hmm. I you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier this morning, but it, it you wonder if maybe some of the people who've been shouting anti-vax messaging from the mountaintops coming down with COVID and then, you know, begging their constituents thereafter to get the vaccine is maybe having some effect, whether it's that Steven Crowder dude or that uh, the right wing talk show host in Nashville mm-hmm. who w- used to make fun of it and did like parody songs about, you know, being a vax man and stuff like that. And then he's like on death's door in critical condition and urging all of his listeners to get the vaccine. I just, I'm willing to listen to people who don't want to get vaccinated and the reason why, you know, without like chastising them, but I never hear a good one. Mm-hmm. It's always a disprovable misinformation that they're basing it on. I think there or is like some... literally like political obstinance. Yeah. I think there might be some portion of the people who aren't getting it, who, and whether this is a legit reason or they're using it as their excuse mm-hmm. that it's not fully approved by the FDA, yeah. it's just emergency use. And once that happens, then they'll, then they'll be on more. You know, I don't know if I don't know how many that is, but I don't think that's unreasonable. No, I've gone on the in the other direction where I got the vaccine and thought I was Superman, and then Leon leaded the thing uh, and got COVID somehow. You didn't though, because it wasn't like. First of all, you got it before you went to Florida, more than likely. Yeah, which is the most ironic thing yeah. of the like. I brought sand COVID to the beach to Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys take some of this back now. Yeah, <laughs> they they matumboed that that virus. It just it got down there, and they're like, yeah, whatever. We got a we have plenty. And <laughs> bad summer colds are roaring back. Now that mask mandates have started to be relaxed, people are reportedly getting really bad colds. The New York Times reports infectious disease experts say now that handshakes, hugs and social gatherings are back without masks. 
Those basic run-of-the-mill viruses are returning with a vengeance. They add that our immune systems haven't been getting the workout they're used to. Uh, being exposed to so many microbes, so it might take a bit longer to rev up to protect us from the common cold. Now, that's what I thought I was dealing with. Like, I thought, oh, I've been out of work for, or, you know, out of commission commission for 18 months. My body hasn't fought a cold off in a while. That's probably what this is. Mm -hmm. I'm just getting my butt kicked by a common cold. Mm -hmm. I know a whole family and a neighbor of the family all have upper respiratory infections. But not COVID. And pink eye. Not COVID. And Oof. pink eye. And pink eye. Pink eye. Oh. Pink eye is pink conjunctivitis. Eye is conjunctivitis pink eye? I yeah. That's what it is. Conjunctivitis sounds way less gross. I have conjunctivitis. Sounds like you're having a grammar issue. <laughs> yeah. I'm having trouble. <laughs> Conjunctivitis. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Popeye's looking to end the chicken war it started among numerous fast food restaurants in 2019 over chicken sandwiches. The company announced the We Come in Peace, Eight Peace campaign on Tuesday. It coincides with the launch of their new chicken nuggets. Popeye's is planning to donate the cash equivalent of a million nuggets from its competitors to Second Harvest Food Bank of Greater New Orleans and Acadiana. The company will also match up to $25,000 that customers donate through the Popeye's Foundation website. Remember those uh, red plastic cups Pizza Hut used to have? Oh, yeah. The best. Who doesn't? Well, they must have realized that we all love nostalgia because they just started selling them in four packs. They hit PizzaHutShop.com yesterday for 10 bucks. Immediately sold out. Of course. Uh, you can sign up, though, for email alerts to find out when they have more. Was it just me, or did it feel like in those cups the pop stayed colder? Cold. Like well, they'd it was fill just, it with ice. Well, I was that too, say, but... They were like 40 ounces, and there's 28 ounces of ice. <laughs> uh, some people not may not get their full nostalgia fix, though, depending on your age and where you lived. Uh, it may not be the cup you're thinking of. There were two versions of the red cup. One had textured ridges on the That's outside, the one. and one was more flat. Well, see, I remember being not ridges, like flat with a texture, like a, you could scratch the outside yeah, of it. almost like stucco. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> yes. that's, I think they're selling that one. Okay. That's the yeah. one. That's the one I want. It I, comes out of the man. dishwasher 9 million degrees. And they were mm-hmm. gigantic. Yeah. Oh, you could huge, take yeah. a hard pull on oh, the yeah. straw, oh, yeah. and it wouldn't even dent would, that would thing. would not dent it. <laughs> In Denver, Colorado, the police department and Advance Auto Parts have gotten together to help the community and keep drivers safe. Thanks to a donation of $125 gift cards from Advance Auto Parts, police officers are handing out those gift cards rather than writing tickets. For example, if an officer pulls someone over, if they have a burnout headlight or taillight, they hand over a gift card to help the driver get it fixed. It's great news for drivers, but Denver Police Chief Paul Pazin says it's also great for the officers because the program helps them build and strengthen relationships within the community. Well, a Texas man woke up one morning and got ready to go to school. Only problem, he's 37-year-old, married, and a father who was stricken with a bout of transient global amnesia. It's a sudden and usually temporary interruption of short-term memory. Uh, Doctors say Daniel Porter, no relation, woke up last year believing he was still 18 years old. He started to get ready for school. He was shocked when he found a strange woman lying next to him in bed. (laughs) That was his wife, Ruth. Uh, He was even more confused when he looked in the mirror and saw an old fat man (laughs) looking back at him. (laughs) He had absolutely no recollection of the past 20 years. 
Uh, understandably, he was freaked out. His wife tried desperately to refresh his memory. She showed him pictures. She introduced him to his 10-year-old daughter and even uh, drove around their neighborhood. She finally got him to see his doctor who diagnosed, uh, diagnosed him with amnesia and told him that he would likely regain his memory in a day or two. Well, that was a year ago. He still hasn't regained oh, much of his memory wow. from the past two decades. Uh, he even had to quit his job as a hearing specialist because he had no recollection of his post-high school education and training. Doctors believe the amnesia was likely triggered by emotional stress. He's currently in therapy trying to work through that trauma. That's crazy. That so bizarre. I mean, I mean, that sounds like an 80s movie. Yeah. It does. Yes. Where he's just trying to figure out Kirk how Cameron he could is. Yeah, right. Oh man, that that's scary. That sounds like. Um, did you ever read any of Oliver Oliver Sacks' mm-hmm. books where, like, the man who mistook his wife for a hat or something? These weird neurological conditions. Yeah, he oh. he wrote the movie Awakenings was based on Oliver Sacks. Oh yeah, De Niro. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, De, yeah. That that movie is was good. El Dopa. It's really good. Yeah. Apparently, it uh, some people were not really thrilled with it, but I don't know. People are always mad about movies that are taken from true life events. Officials are advising Monroeville and Pitcairn residents about a number of road closures this week due to production of a TV series. Filming for the upcoming Showtime series, American Rust, will take place in those areas from Thursday evening through Friday morning. Residents are advised they will have... Uh, uninterrupted access to their home, so you don't have to worry about that. Forecast today, uh, sunny and hot again, near 90 for the high. There is a chance we'll see showers and thunderstorms. It's 67 at DVE. All right, time to turn our attention toward the coffee house. And, uh, you know, our good friend Nathan Zub, who's been around Pittsburgh for the last 15 years, is going to be taken off and going to California. And uh, that's a sad occasion for a lot of reasons, but we're really happy for him in, in uh, the next chapter of his life. And he's leaving us with a sonic present in the form of the new album, California Burning. And uh, Zub joins us right now. What's up, Zub? Hey, Randy. How you doing, man? No, I'm doing good. So you are going to be taken off for California. Now, what you, you came to Pittsburgh in 2005? 2006 for Six. school, yeah. Okay. So 15 went, years ago now. So you came from New York, you went to Carnegie Mellon, and then you kind of became part of the Pittsburgh music scene to the extent that if people don't know, uh, Zoo ran all of our Christmas parties the last several years. Uh, you did <laughs> YEP's Christmas parties. Uh, you are an integral part of being uh, essentially music director of many rambles. I don't even, I don't know how De- many. Definitely a handful of them. And yeah, I yeah. am the Jew that ran all of the, the holiday parties for DVE and YP. I, don't, I mean, you know what? Actually, this is natural because we also wrote all of your Christmas That's songs. That's right. Yes. Thanks to Mr. Berlin. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, uh, look, we figured you didn't have anything else to do that time of year. <laughs> yeah, it was that or Chinese food in a movie. Right. So we wanted to keep you busy. But uh, also part of the band Recluse, Backstabbing Good People. I mean... You definitely made your way around town. You are you're like the slut of the music scene is basically. Yeah, what you are. well, I prefer to think of myself as the uh, the the oh man, I am the slut of the music scene. <laughs> yeah, you I? really are. It's okay. I couldn't even come up with an alternative. Uh, now, when I first met you, you and Josh for Bannets, and um, I think Guy Russo and maybe James uh, James Russian Russian yeah. did Tommy. 
We did got- all of Tommy, start to finish. Yeah, uh, three times, as a matter of fact. You met us out on that first outing. Yes, and I was like, I said to a buddy of mine, I'm like, let's go see this. I want to see who has the balls to try to do Tommy at Club Cafe. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe it. And I, I like any version of Tommy would have been good enough for me. If it resembled Tommy, I would have been glad just because I love it so much. Right. And we went to Yo Rita, we crushed some tacos, and we went across the street, and you guys nailed it. And I was so blown away. I'm like, who are these? And then I'm, I knew Josh. I right. knew of Josh, but like I, I, that was when I first got introduced to your musical abilities, and uh, you're taking them to California now in the hopes of landing some gigs out there. It's uh, it's an industry town. Yeah, I want to go to the industry town. I want to see what's up out there. I'm I'm gonna get uh, a master's in in guitar, uh, so spend a couple of years just like really shedding and and yeah. meeting people, and uh, and then see what, what what's going on. Well, I have no doubt you're going to do great, and uh, you know I owe you a great deal of uh, gratitude, and I'm in your debt for all that you did for those rambles for so long, and just helping to organize them, if not musically, just just logistically, getting all those people together has always been a huge pain in the butt, and uh, you made it a lot easier. Well, Randy, man, I mean, I really appreciate you saying that, but I cannot say enough about what you've done for for the scene, but also just for me personally, like you, you, you reached down. Uh, and and lifted me up and uh, and and like you did Simba. it gently and like without be, it being inappropriate and, and and the way that you handled me I really did appreciate it um, it's huge it was huge for me well I love you buddy and I, I'm sad to see you go but I'm really happy for the next uh, opportunity and, and psyched for this album and tell me some of the badasses who are playing on this because I know you got a who's who of Pittsburgh musicians taking part in this. I do. I, I reached out. I, I reached deep into my Rolodex, and I, I don't want to forget anyone, but I'm I'm inevitably going to. But um, you know, on this record, I've got Skip Skip Sanders, who the your best. audience might know. I mean, the just Clarks. the badass of all badass. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, Mark Reisman from uh, from the House Rockers, House Rockers. harmonica player. Uh-huh. Um, I've got Kayla Skirman, Morgan Arena, Guy Russo, Addie Twig, Kiki Sherman, uh, Rosanna yeah. Spindler. I've got uh, Mark so that's Martinka. Like Buffalo Rose. Um, um, Cisco kid, uh, uh, you know, Morgan, uh, and and Kayla are both, you know, uniquely talented solo artists. Yeah. Uh, you you just, you have all the badasses on this. Of course. Jason Raffalak also from Buffalo Rose, Mark Martinka, uh, (laughs) Bryce Rabideau. I'm sorry. Now I'm just running down the list, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, Max, Max Somerville. My yeah. my bandmate in in Recluse. I um, see. That's the thing. To me, this is like Simon and Gar. No, that Simon and Garfunkel is not the uh, right way to put it. This is like Pete Townsend and Elton John had a band and <laughs> and they're breaking up <laughs> between you and Max. That bums me out. So I mean, uh, what becomes of Recluse now? Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing official. We're 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 releasing a record at the end of the month. I'm glad I get to say that on the radio. Yeah. Um, and or at the end of August. I'm sorry. Uh, we're releasing a record in the middle of August, uh, August thirteenth, and uh, and we're you know we're not going anywhere. I'm I'm gonna be distant, but you know I, I will still always record. And I've obviously given them the go ahead to play with anyone they want to play with, but um, it really has always been the four of us. And so I think uh, when I'm back in town, we will we will get together and jam. No questions. I'm taking your place in the band. I I, <laughs> I just wanted to tell you now. In front of the uh, I think we so, would do a lot better if you took my place in no, the band. I, it would be a success. I know you wouldn't be. All right, so I just described you as Pete Townsend, but this album is definitely a lot more folk-oriented uh, yeah. than, than the uh, windmilling uh, open cordage <laughs> that you're so f- fond of playing uh, from time to time. Yeah, this is um, this is a sad 
It's a goodbye. I mean, it, you know, it's it's uh, a it's a. I, I described it as sort of like a little provincial blue, right? It's it's just a very Johnny Mitchell. It's not blue, stripped yeah. back. There's strings and there's all sorts of arrangements, but um, it is a very quiet, emotional record. I, I feel um, not not any rock bombast. Eh, a couple moments here and there. Okay, uh, there, there's a guitar solo on there. Well, what are we gonna listen to? All right. Um, so I thought I would just uh give you guys a sneak preview of the single. Um, which is when I say single, I mean, it's the title track. Right. It's called California burning. Um, I wrote it in a really rough time and I wrote it as kind of a musical aloe, right? It was just like this thing, this, this song that I wanted to, to soothe these emotional wounds. So it's a, it's a bit of a lullaby. Um, but it has strings by Alex Weston. Um, it was produced, uh, at Jake Hanner's studio. Jake's the best. Um, He's awesome. He is incredible, and he is really like the reason it sounds as good as it does. And yeah, I any think any I, younger kids who want to find like a local producer who will help them learn the craft of songwriting and recording, go to Jake. Yeah, Jake will own not own. Jake will adopt. He'll your, own all your masters, your art, like it says, and you know? all of your publishing. And- <laughs> <laughs> Jake will make a deal that you will not be able to back out of. It will be ironclad, and you will regret it. But, okay. So let's it's gonna let's, sound great. Let's 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 check this out. So uh, it'll definitely downshift a little bit, and it's a mellow goodbye to our friend Zub from uh, the album California Burning, which is available Thursday night when you perform at Mr. Smalls as your sort of goodbye show, right? Yeah, the fun house at Mr. Smalls. It's going to be a goodbye show, tag sale, album release, and uh, uh, I don't know. I'll do a raffle or something. All right, good deal. Well, I'll see you there, and hopefully uh, everyone. Are there advanced tickets, or are we just uh, getting those at the door? Yeah, you can get tickets um, on my website. You can get tickets. That's is www.nathanzub.com. You can get tickets uh, through Ticketmaster um, or on the Mr. Small site or at the door. Tear it up in Cali, man. We're going to miss you, Zub. Thanks, man. I'll be back to visit, I promise. Set me back a month, dear As cleanly as you could California burning My heart is in the world
goes with the love California's fine beer Might be time California Burning from Zoob, his uh, new record. It's out right now, and we uh, wish him a, a fond farewell and beautiful all the best. Song. It is beautiful. It. Sounds like uh, Nick Drake, you know, had, well, little Nick Drake uh, kind of touches to that. Uh, but uh, that song could have been in Goodwill Hunting. Essentially, Zoob. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like one of the tune he's playing at the end? When, I, I think that's uh, what when, he's going for. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to do a whole album of Ben Affleck movie worthy. <laughs> oh man, soundtrack tunes. I can't wait to hear the Reindeer Game stuff. <laughs> Oh, it's very, oh, it's poignant. Uh, no, he, uh, you know, it's it's weird because coming out of the pandemic, it's like I have not got to see a whole lot of local music or local bands, and I miss seeing them all. And they're, you know, him leaving kind of feels like it's part of this transition to the next phase, what's going on locally. But that might just be very subjective sort of take on all of this mm-hmm. but it is mine uh so i'll see you at uh, mr smalls tomorrow night to uh to to wish zub a fond farewell and say hi to a whole bunch of people I haven't seen in a year and a half i was talking about this the other day val have you found yourself like you see somebody you haven't seen in a year and a half and you don't give them enough of a hello i never know like it's like you haven't seen them for 18 months and they're like hi you're like hey what's up <laughs> I know. And they're like, no, well, that's it. That. That's it's all I get. Very. It's just weird because, like, we said that when we all came back in the studio together. It's just like, hi. Like we just saw each other yesterday, which but we, we kind of did. did. We were on Zoom every day. I spent yeah. more time with you guys than anybody else virtually, mm-hmm. and you know, and always I spend more time with you guys than just about anybody. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel weird when we finally did see each other. Because when I saw yeah, you the first time, we were at the funeral home, and I was like, oh. I'm like, I don't think I've seen you in 14 months. Yeah. And it didn't even feel like it. Yep. 
And so I'm having that same experience with people now when I'm running into them. I don't feel like I'm giving adequate hellos. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should go to Party City and get those little confetti poppers and just carry them <laughs> around with you. That's a great idea. <laughs> Car care, right? DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports now on the DVE Morning Show. What's up, Mike? Sports is out brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Adults 21 and over. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. USA Hockey has made it official this morning. Mike Sullivan is going to be the head coach of the United States entry Ooh. in the 2022 yeah. Olympics. It's oh, yeah. assuming the NHL participates in the 2022 Olympics. That's not necessarily a done deal just yet. Uh, meant to get to this yesterday. There were multiple reports yesterday. Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff was the the first to report the news about Sullivan. Uh, probably didn't get to it because we were talking about Steeler Camp. You know that uh, that tends to take off <laughs> some days. But uh, good for Mike Sullivan, who was an assistant on Peter Laviolette's uh, 2006 Olympic team. Uh, he was also Sullivan was also the head coach of Team USA at the 2000. 2007 World Championships and uh, the 2008 World Championships and the 2016 World Cup. Uh, Sullivan wore the red, white, and blue at the 1988 World Junior Championship and the 1997 World Championship. So good luck to him. Uh, The USA has won three varsity tournaments internationally, 1960 Olympic gold under Jack Riley. 1980 Olympic gold under Herb Brooks and the 1996 World Cup of Hockey under Ron Wilson. Steelers uh, put the pads on today for training camp and uh, everybody anticipating that uh, seemed to be an uptick in tempo and enthusiasm yesterday as they shifted the operation from the south side to Heinz Field. There's even uh, even when Heinz Field is empty, there's a little something going on there, I think, when the Steelers Mm -hmm. practice there. And uh, yesterday... No exception. And I want to give you guys, uh, to wrap things up today, uh, in terms of my reports, one play that really tells the tale uh, regarding what they're after. I like uh, this. Just one play in one practice, mm-hmm. uh, one day at training camp, and uh, nobody's going to remember this in November probably, but uh, a, a down and out from Mason Rudolph to Chase Claypool, and Camp Sutton jumps the route and – He's got his hands on the ball. He's going to pick it off. But Claypool doesn't give up, and he lunges at Sutton. And all of a sudden, there's four hands on the ball, and they're twisting and wrestling and fighting. They finally hit the ground, and the pass falls incomplete. And as luck would have it, Mike Sullivan was standing uh, right in front of the play on the sideline, and he he really reacted to that play. And uh, afterward, he told me why. I just just like the energy and effort. We cannot take the energy and effort for granted. Uh, everybody wants a good day. Everybody wants a good and competitive competitive environment. But it requires all of us to be actively engaged in the creation of that. And so those guys right there were creating that, you know, competing the way that they did for that play. And, you know, um, we all want to be a part of a good environment. We're all responsible for being active participants in the building of it. And so uh, I just want to highlight that. Yeah, it was really worth highlighting. I mean, I don't know if I'm accurately describing to you guys. That that ball was anybody's ball for an extended period there. They both had it, then they didn't have it, and they, they didn't give up on it. And I was you know, not- I was imagining it as you were saying mm-hmm. it. And I was trying to determine how I wanted that to end. <laughs> 
Do I no, want Chase Claypool? I want, I want Chase Claypool to, to, come to down always come down with that ball, or am I more impressed at the defense in that situation from somebody who we need to be a strong pass defender? Yeah, I, I think I think the take is. It was Mike Tomlin was uh, watching, by the way, not Mike Sullivan. He might have been somewhere watching, but uh, <laughs> sorry. Did I say that or did you say that? I, Mike said it. No, oh, okay. Whatever. The fight, I think, is what you take out of that, and not taking plays off Moving and not forward. conceding anything, the and fight. just getting at. Hey, it's hot out there. It's early mm-hmm. in camp. It's time to go. You, yeah, this, this is your rep. Iron sharpening your, iron. Yeah, go go f and get it and. uh that stuck out to me. I, I was curious to see how Tom would react to it, and uh, he he was he was pleased. He was pleased both ways. So you know, maybe maybe Claypool catches it today. That's what I want. You better start. That's what I want because you know we hear it all the time from Tomlin. It's all about the combat catch because you're not creating the separation that you got in college at the pro level. You're just not. So can you catch the ball in traffic? when you're fighting another guy, and how strong are your hands? That's what I want to say. Yeah, Dale Ollie was comparing him to D.K. Metcalf last week, uh, earlier this week, rather, and, you know, D.K.'s probably coming down with that ball. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, I will say this about Claypool. I thought he was very good last year, and I think he just scratched the surface. That that well they that si- they gave him load speed. management at the end of the year. Like, you yeah, know. Physicality combination. um there's, there's more there, and it, your point is very well taken. They were worried about the rookie wall, so they slowed him down. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that this year. Can't afford to. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and uh, we'll get uh, happy takes from Mark Madden in a segment we call Happy, happy Takes. takes. <laughs> Mark <laughs> from Mark Madden. That's next on DB. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman welcoming our good friend from 1059DX, our brother station, Mark Madden. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Mark is sponsored morning, Mark. by Labatt Blue Light Seltzer Variety Pack this morning. Have you had any of those Labatt Blue Light Seltzers? I have. They're delicious. Yes. Uh, the whole variety of them or just a couple? Um, I pretty much drink whatever you set in front of me. No kidding. <laughs> um, well... Everyone should uh, go grab a variety pack. They they seem and sound delicious, as Mark just told you. All right, first question, Flurry. The confusion yesterday uh, over that situation first uh, arose for me when Flurry all of a sudden didn't know that he was being traded, and then they sent him to a team that he didn't want to play for. And then the idea well, now, that... Well, now, that's not 100% true, because Flurry in his contract could dictate 10 teams that he was willing to be traded to, and Chicago was one of those. So while he's not you know, enthused about going there, and this certainly caught him by surprise, he could have ruled them out contractually had he wanted to. Uh, to me, uh, the, the, the disrespect is from them not calling him to talk about it even before the deal was made and didn't even call afterward. He had to find out about it on Twitter. And that is quite a 180 from last year. When I know for sure that Jim Rutherford had a place in, in had a deal in place to bring Flurry back uh, during the 2020 offseason, and the uh, owner vetoed it uh, because he thought Flurry had meant so much to the team since its inception, 
as an original Gold Knight in 2017. So all that respect and sentiment and loyalty somehow faded in a year. Despite Flurry winning the friggin' Vezina. I mean, the Vezina Trophy winner got given away for nothing. That probably never happened to Ken Dryden or Jacques Plante. In fact, I know it did not. So clearly this is a case where the coach, Peter DeBar, who wants Leonard to be his number one goalie and turned to him every time Flurry gave him an excuse, the coach overruled the owner. Simple as that. Okay, well now there is hope amongst a good deal of the Penguin fan base that somehow this will result in Flurry back in Penguin colors. Uh, a, do you think that'll happen? B, do you want that to happen? Oh, of course I want it to happen, but why would Chicago do that? Uh, well, if Because he doesn't want to play yeah, there. he doesn't want to play there. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers didn't want to play in Green Bay. Anybody checked out their training camp roster? Are we <laughs> sure he didn't want to play in Green Bay, or did he want people to forget about the NFC Championship? He's a goof. That's the short explanation. Uh, great quarterback, but, but just a goof. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, no, I don't think Mark's coming back. And I think part of that is Hextall and Burke weren't here when he was here, and they don't attach the same value, let alone the same sentiment. Uh, in, in fact, there's a report the Penguins are not interested in, and I do believe that to be the case. I mean, they should be, no question. I mean, if they go into the season with Jari and goal, Hextall should be fired before, they, before he ever starts a full season. You, you can't trust Jari and goal. That, that performance against the Islanders was so cataclysmically bad it scarred him, it scarred the locker room, it scarred everybody associated with the Penguins. You can't go into the season with him as the number one. You can't even start the season and then make a deal. That's how damaging, I believe, Jari's performance was. Mike Pursuta disagrees with you. Well, I stand. why is that, Mike? Well, I, just, I haven't given up on Jari. I don't think his performance was that much worse than the, the group. Uh, I think there's a lot of accountability oh, going on. Come on, he, no, lost, he lost the series, Mike. Well, I, I wasn't uh, planning to argue that with you. I did have a question, though. Um, Heinrich Lundqvist, what would he cost? And assuming he checks out healthy, is that an option? I don't know what it costs, but I'm not taking a guy who had heart surgery and skipped the season at his age. I'm just not. They, if, if they're not going to get Flurry, they should get Darcy Kemper from Arizona. But uh, I don't sense that's imminent either. Mark, why why does Flurry get so disrespected? Is it proof that nice guys uh, get stepped on? Do you think if yep. he had an icy yep. personality exactly right. and a vacant stare? Exactly right. <laughs> what is I think it? what Flurry should have done when he made that mistake that cost that game against Montreal, mm-hmm. he should have just left the game and he would have been a hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, Najee Harris, one of the people not vaccinated for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Given all that's at stake right now, do you think that anybody who has not been vaccinated will get vaccinated before the season? Well, I mean, what's at stake? You well, see, you're operating under the assumption this is a good team. Well, the, again, the, uh, not arguing whether or not this team is a Super Bowl caliber team or not, just what it could cost them in their quest to prove to you that they're good. I think everybody should get vaccinated, uh, football player and normal citizen alike. But it's an individual choice. I think the NFL, though, has every right to run its shop as it sees fit within the constraints of the CBA, which means they can't make the players get vaccinated, but they can certainly coerce them. Employers do that in the workplace every day. They coerce the people who work for them. Uh, I really don't like, I mean really don't like, 
guys who aren't vaccinated wearing identifying badges on the field of play. Yeah, they're scarlet, <laughs> scarlet letters. How about the yellow star? That's the first thing I thought. Uh, well, that's uh, that's a little different. That's a pretty extreme comparison to be made. Well, yeah, yeah, but but you know, it is an extreme comparison, but it's still it still no, brings it's, that memory to mind. It's completely out of bounds. It's completely. It's not even close. That's not even uh, on the same plane. Those two things that you're talking about. Well, if you what you whatever you say, Randy, it's your show. Never forget that. Mark that's Madden. What it re- that's what. It, hey, you know what? That's what it reminded me of. I'm just speaking my mind. Um, speaking what I think. Yeah. Well, I wish it wasn't him that was not vaccinated. I mean, couldn't it be like Spillane or somebody? Or the whole offensive line. <laughs> they are offensive. That's for sure. Uh, Mark Madden, one hundred five nine. The X. Are you going to see the Black Crows tonight? Nah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, they're not I, vaccinated. Well, you see, I, I don't like going. That's to me. I have to really like somebody to go to Star Lake or whatever. What's it called? Uh, the Pavilion at Star Lake. Yeah, it's so far away, and it's a tough in and out. And I'm not criticizing the venue; it's done very well over the years. But I'm an old guy. Uh, I'm going to go see Kiss and David Lee Roth uh, next month. But but not the Black Crows. And plus, I, I don't like the way they reassembled their band either. Uh, yeah, I, I will say the band is absolutely kick-ass. But if you are a diehard fan, the real diehard fans of uh, the Black Crows kind of will lean one way or, or another in terms of how they they uh, react to the reorganization of the band. But back to Starlake as a venue, if it were five miles away, I would absolutely love it. Yep. No question. And if the parking was a bit easier in and out, I would love it too. Yeah. The, the only problem is that feeling like you've traveled, you know, to the center of Ohio or something. You know, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's in your backyard. It feels like a road trip. And then to have the added traffic from the ride home. Oh, yeah. The ride home is brutal. The ride home is brutal. Well, see, and the other thing for me with the Black Crows is I'm not as big a Black Crows fan as you are. I think they're really great. But, like, for me, if I knew they'd play their five biggest hits right away, I'd go, and then I'd probably leave early. But I, I'm just not, like, a deep-dive guy with their work. So when Jimmy Page played for them, I, I could have watched that all day, no matter what they're playing, because it's Jimmy Page. And I still think they made a horrific mistake with the way they handled that, not that not that, that would still be going today. Mark Madden, 105.9 DX each afternoon. Mark, thanks as always. I got a question. If I would have quit in the middle of the call, would I have been lionized? If you would have just hung up, just hung up. Um, no, I I wouldn't have cared. (laughs) Well, I think you're right to feel that way. (laughs) Thanks. That's all. That's all I ask of you. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Double M. See you, Mark. Uh, Special thanks to (laughs) Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, for being on the program. Rob Rossi talking flurry earlier. And uh, our buddy Nathan Zub, we wish him well in California, and we know he's going to kill it out there. Uh, He's doing his goodbye show, Zub, tomorrow live at Mr. Small's Funhouse, and it will be a who's who of uh, local music luminaries at that one. So uh, look forward to seeing everyone there. And I will go to the party store and get those those confetti poppers, like you were saying. That's really the only way to properly convey my excitement for seeing somebody. Add some flair to Better your have greetings. A pocket full. Hey, how you been? Uh, you know, it just doesn't. It just like feels the, like the person that comes right after you popped your last one is really. <laughs> it's it's yeah. going to be tough for them. Pocket yeah. full of poppers. So sorry. <laughs> Anything you want to hear back, or you might have missed on the program today, you can always go to 
the uh, DVE Morning Show podcast available start to finish each and every day with the iHeartRadio app or at dve.com. But really, anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us start to finish each and every day. Brought to you by Bordis and Bordis. All right, that's it tomorrow on the show. PFT commenter Stan Saverin. More stuff. Have a great day, everybody. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. So now you guys caught me, Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Ah! You always say ah at the end of the ride. Mm-hmm.